you know, we can talk about it, but you know, the old saying talk is cheap, right? So it's, it's all built on action. They're going to know if I didn't say a word in that locker room for 82 games in practice, my actions are going to say everything in, in how I deal with things and how I show them. And, and they're watching me too, how I handle situations. So um, the action part of it really is the most important talk. Talk's great. The interview's great. But do you follow through? Do you do you, do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you, you know, care is real easy when it's going well. Um, but when there's heat and it's not going well, you're still are you still caring? Are you loving about them? Are you still interested in what their family's going on? And that was Brad Larson, head coach of the NHL's Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Up My Hockey Podcast with Jason Padolin. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolin, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolin, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there, Jason Padolin here with Up My Hockey. Welcome back to the Up My Hockey podcast for episode 84. Today we have on another head coach of the NHL and that's Brad Larson. Brad Larson is a previous guest of the show um, a couple years ago back when he was assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Brad served seven seasons as an assistant coach there. Um, John Tortorella's contract has expired uh, at the end of last season and Columbus went searching for a new candidate and they found the best option available from within uh, exhaustive interview process that Brad talks about here in the interview and they named Brad uh, the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets and this uh, just completed his inaugural season as the team's bench boss and we get into everything um, about his first year about how he went through the interview process about his team and the growth with his team and expectations and and managing those expectations and helping people get through the adversity and the hard times uh what his foundation is as a coach uh, what he believes uh to be the way to get the most out of their players um Brad's an awesome dude. He's a he's a real good human. He was he was somebody that I had the pleasure of knowing even back in the day. Uh, we played on the same Pee Wee team together in Vernon, uh, where we won a provincial championship. We also played together for the World Junior Team, uh, won a gold medal together. Uh, Brad played twice for the World Junior Team. Uh, the second time through, when I wasn't there, he was the captain of the World Junior Team, won gold twice. Uh, so Brad, Brad and I go back a ways. It, it's awesome to follow his, his career arc, what he's doing, even his growth, not only as a coach and his growth as a player, but also just his growth as a human. He's always expanding, always trying to improve. And, and you'll see, you'll hear his authenticity. Uh, you'll hear his transparency and his honestness, um, throughout the entire interview. He, he puts people first, um, he, he has no problem sharing his opinion. Uh, he's very open to hearing others. He enjoys a good conversation and, um, and he cares about the people around him. And, and uh, he uses the words love, care, trust um, throughout. Uh, that, that was one of the things he said he used in his interview process. And, uh, and when you put that at the forefront of your philosophy and your approach to hand, handling elite world-class athletes, uh, with that hard, 
hard edge to him. Like there's nothing soft and cuddly about Brad. Brad's very, um, he's very straight. He, 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 he commands a presence that there's a, there's a way that he speaks and, and there's a tone to his voice that this man is not a pushover, never has been, never will be, but he cares. You know, he cares and there's an honesty to that care. And, and, uh, and I believe that that mix that he has, his internal mix is something that, um, that not everybody does have. And, and it takes a certain person to be able to lead an NHL team. And I believe the Columbus Blue Jackets picked a, picked a great person to do that. And uh, you're going to get a gift of a conversation here. An hour and 50 minutes, I believe, Brad took from his day and time away from his family. And I thank him for that. Um, I know this time of the year he treasures uh, drastically, you know, his wife and his kids who he doesn't get to see as much of during the year. And, and for him to spend an hour and 50 minutes downloading a season um, for for you, my my listeners and my platform, I'm super grateful. And I hope you are, too, because um, we get a little look inside, you know, what it takes to do what what he does. And and for all of us here listening who, you know, either players who want to be better uh, maybe coaches who want to be better parents who want to do a better job like a lot of the tenants here that we that we're speaking about the intangibles the character um, you know those those words uh, love care trust like you can you can use these not only in, in I mean in any avenue right in sports in in your relationships in, in your life in your business uh, when when there is a when there is a level a human level of caring of support uh, of wanting the best for that person with 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 no other motivation um, that that goes a long way. So uh, love what you have coming here. Uh, enjoy the hour and fifty minutes with Brad. Uh, I know I sure did. And um, yeah, let's get to the conversation with the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mr. Brad Larson. All right, back to the podcast. Up my hockey, Brad Larson for round two. Uh, this time as a head coach of a National Hockey League team. Thanks so much for coming back, Lars. You bet. Um, yeah, to get things rolling. I mean, we've you, you've you finished your first eighty-two games as as the as the head bench boss. Uh, we had a little bit of chance to talk offline. Uh, how was that whole process of becoming a head coach of NHL team and, and, and interviewing? I know you've done that before. Um, I'm not sure how many times you've interviewed for a head coach job, but uh, this time it was successful. What, what was that process like? Well, it was intense. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it's a unique situation because I had been in with the organization for so long too. You know, I've been here 11 years and, and, you know, they're looking for change. Number one, um, but, you know, it, that was my dilemma is I, I worked for a guy who I, I deeply respected in John Tortorella. I thought we did a tremendous job with our groups. And but, you know, so going into this interview process and what that looked like, uh, it certainly wasn't going to uh, I believed in what we were doing. It, it wasn't like I, I, I had all these uh, different ideas and thought we should change all this and all that. So um, the number one thing is just showing that I was uh, or letting them know that I was ready, that I was capable and ready to lead and and um um how i do it differently was just being me and and really torch is so unique in in how he approaches things and uh he's he's an incredible man incredible coach but you know there's one torts there really is i mean he you probably put him in the daryl sutter category and how he coaches and and uh, uh but so i i knew it's how do you articulate that right in your in your interview and, and when you build your presentation and stuff. So that was kind of my 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 focus going into that. And um, but yeah, I had five interviews. You know, I've been here eleven years and had five interviews with these guys. And 
so and then in amongst that um some other teams had called and i was you know at, at first they, they actually denied my uh um you know an interview process with the, with with two teams which is a good bad thing right i mean if they like you that that's that's positive if they're like yeah go ahead um you know, then maybe they're not as interested. So it was kind of a catch 22, but as it went further along, they, they finally allowed access to one team. And, and so I had to build that presentation as well as continue on this. So it was, it was a lot. It was for, for two and a half weeks, it was, it was intense and, and just getting things together and your ideas. Cause really they're totally different uh, interviews. And, and, and I know this team so well, and I didn't know the other team so well. So it was, it was very time consuming. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I got the job and, and was thrilled. And, and um, you know, there, there's a lot of good coaches, a lot of capable coaches, but just feel real blessed to get that opportunity. And, and uh, yeah, and got through my first year. So it was great. Yeah, no, congrats. Um, like you said, I mean, I, I know, and you've spoken very openly about your respect for Torts. Um, did you know necessarily why he got left go, go? And if there was a differentiating factor or something you didn't want to follow in his footsteps were, you know I mean? That it might've helped you in your own process or, or did you not kind of, you know, dig that deep? Well, with him, he, he left on his own terms. They didn't let him go. It was his, his contract was up. And I think they had a real uh, honest conversation. One thing about torts when you, you, you get to know him, is his self-assessment's great and he knows where he's at with the team he he felt it was time to walk away um he, he six years is a long time uh with one team it really is and and the messaging and how hard you push these guys and and really we we had built and you know from from the time he got here we we pushed and we built and, and grew this team to a a very respectable level um very competitive hard-nosed team you know obviously it was you know, three years ago when we beat Tampa, we kind of pushed the chips in the middle and added Duchesne and those guys. And, and uh, we we're a real good team. there, very, very close to get through Boston um, going in the second round. So and, but then there was a shift. We lost some players, some guys left. And, and um, so you kind of push up and you're coming down. And and, you know, the one thing that he saw is that this was going to be, you know, of a, a retool, a rebuild, however you want to word it. But we were there was a shift in in leadership. There was going to be a shift in in youth, and was he ready to go through all that again with this group? Um, and and a lot of same guys. So it's it gets tricky for a head coach. It, could he do it? Absolutely, he could do it. But will the message go stale? Or are they able to go through it again? The guys that have been here and and he was he was I think he was spot on. I think the timing was great for both of them. Uh, not just because I got the job. There was like I said, there was many capable guys, but he. He was very uh, cognizant of where he was with this team, and it was time to 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 walk away. So, um, as far as is is when when that got brought up in the interview, you know they 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 saw how we worked, they saw how we we did things, and I think with coaches and managers all the time, you're going to have uh, philosophical differences, uh, timing on on some of your young guys. Are they ready? Are they not ready? Uh, patience sounds great in in July and August, but uh, when we start getting in December and January, all of a sudden patience turns to urgency and they want to see guys. And so those are the things you're fighting all the time. And, and how hard do you push them? How hard, uh, how much ice time do you give them? How much responsibility, especially as a younger player? Uh, too much too soon can be real bad for these guys. It, it's, it can really impact their careers. And you've got to be very careful how much you give them and if they're ready for it. And so, um, so I think 
those are some of the things that are highlighting and, and being a young team and where we're at and how we're building. It was, uh, you know, whether they were looking for new messaging or not, you know, you'd have to ask him. I'm not going to speak for them, but um, I can tell you this. I knew how excited I was and passionate about this opportunity because I saw the shift. Um, I saw the leadership change. I saw a lot of youth coming in and, and that's a really uh, neat time to come in as a coach. Uh, we all want to inherit the, the great teams, but I think there's so much value to to being there at ground level. And I think, you know, we're not bare. We're not, this isn't bare cupboards. And uh, we have Zach Wierenski, we got the Bjorkstrands, we got Nyquist, we got this, you know, Elvis Merzlikens and Tarasov as a goalie tandem and Corpusello coming back. Um, you know, you have Patrick Liney, you have Boone Jenner. So you start building around it. You know, we we're fortunate enough to draft a, a Cole Sillinger who's been a tremendous player at 18 years old come in and, and he's going to be a real special player. Chinnikov coming in. So there's a lot to be excited about our group. And, you know, this year coming up, we got a six and a 12 in the first round again, you know, so, you know, it's as a, as a young coach coming in and getting that opportunity, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so excited because you get to grow with that group. And, you know, we know there's a, uh, there can be a shelf life with coaches, but I'm really hoping I get to see this through because I think this group's going to be special here in, in, you know, two, three years. That's fantastic. Uh, maybe to, j just backtrack a little bit, and just for people out there who probably don't know, and I mean, I'm, myself, I guess, is in that is in that camp. When you're talking about preparing something as far as for an interview as a coach, yeah. what does that presentation look like? Like, what what is what does that look like to prepare for an interview as an NHL head coach? Well, it's two things for me, and and what I tried to do is give him a, I wanted to give him a takeaway package of of who I am, uh, experiences, so that. Uh, so if someone doesn't know me as well, then they could grab it, they could look at it and, and understand, uh, you know, where I played, who I was, um, where I was a leader. You know, one thing about being a coach, they don't care about your goals and assists. It's not a it's not about that. It's about, I think, things that uh, you're trying to bring to light is, you know, where were you captain? You know, were you winning? Um, you know, and I, I've been fortunate to be in several of those positions as captain and, and played for my country and won some things. So. So those are the things you kind of bring to light and then just your experience. I mean, I, you know, when I, during that interview, I'm saying I'm, this is my 24th year of pro hockey coming up, which is crazy. You know, and I, I was 44 at the time. So I've been longer in pro hockey than out of it. And so when they're looking at a young coach and going, well, is he inexperienced? I'm like, no, not at all. I, it, and it, I, I've been in the game longer than I, uh, you know, as far as my, my timeline and how long I've been on this earth here, I, I've been in pro hockey. That's what I've been doing. And I played it for 13 and I had been coaching for 11. And, um, and one thing I was very fortunate was, is just being under torts as far as how he mentored me and how much responsibility he gave me. And so all those things. So you're trying to present that, articulate that show, uh, but then you've got to give him a clear plan. And, you know how you're going to do it and and that's kind of what i focus on not so much uh change but how am i going to lead what's going to be important to me what's going to be important to our group what are going to be the, with the standard and the foundation for our group how are we going to build this what's the one three five year plan for this group um where do i see us right now and and that's the thing of of knowing this group um i i i tapped in the analytics side a little bit and went into some things that are very important for me as far as type of player and and um really type of character and, and I categorize that and, and rank them. And um, so you have a clear picture of, 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 you know, analytics are great, but that's just one piece of the pie for me. I think there's, there's so many other intangibles that you, you can't quantify with a number. You can't just put on and go, well, he's an eight and, and it doesn't really show up. There's these things that, 
the intangibles in the dressing room, in the gym, and how they handle themselves in pressure situations and their teammates. So I wanted to give them a whole picture of the pie, not just one area. And so that's what you're kind of forming. And that's that that's how I, I went about my presentation and um, trying to to show them the clear vision that I had, the plan that was going to be put in place, how I was going to utilize uh, the resources of, of the ownership, the management, what, you know, because they're putting a lot of money in certain areas. Well, how am I going to utilize that? How are we going to work together? I, I really wanted it to be collaborative. It's not a, it's not, it's not my train here. It's everybody, you know, we're all, we're all in this for the same reasons. And so just what that was going to look like in, in that collaborative kind of setting and, and, and kind of put that, that that visual for them um and and really just showing my excitement and passion for the job it was uh it, it's something that i i truly love coaching i do I, I love doing it every day and even in the bad days and i can share many stories where it was frustrating or, or tough days but those are the most rewarding days when you get through them and when you put the work in and you see the growth in your group and and that's that's what coaching is it's not when you're winning winning's easy you know it, you just kind of get out of the way uh, let them do their thing, but it's when it gets hard. And how are you going to motivate? How are you going to how are you going to tap into these guys? And there's you got 23 different personalities in different stages of the career. Some guys are in a contract year. Some guys are in the first year of an eight year deal. Some guys are coming out of their entry level. Some you know there's all these different things that you have to take into account. And they're and they're humans. They have families. They they they're thinking about this. So um, you it, it's a uh, it's a unique job because it's, you know, you'd think it would get mundane and, and very uh, ho-hum, but it's not every day, even when winning it, there's, there's so many different challenges and that's, that's, it's like this puzzle piece that you're always trying to put together. Right. That, uh, that would be a question that I would add. I mean, if I was a general manager uh, in this day and age, and if I was interviewing a coach, like I would want to know what the plan was to navigate the room. You know, because I, I think that there are different approaches uh, depending on your personality, meaning the head coach's personality, right? Who he wants to incorporate uh, to do that, whether, you know, whether it be an assistant coach type scenario or if it's the, you know, the open door policy in, in quotes. Uh, it, do Did you have that as part of your presentation or was there like kind of a, this is how I want to deal with the room and, and the guys? Yeah, well, and I'll give you three words. And I said it several times in my conversation. Uh, my presentation with them and and it was love care and trust and you know you got to love on these guys and you know and, and when you were talking about hockey that that usually seems counterproductive or it doesn't really fit in but um to love on these guys is to respect them and, and understand their humans first and how how you're going to re it's a relational thing right and how you're going to uh, relate to them because everybody's very different they're in different stages of their life there could be stuff going on in their life um and that's where it, carries over to care and you've got to care about them, not just when they're playing well. And, and I truly believe in that. I don't think, you know, uh, you, you can just care about somebody or, or, or do it when things are just going well. It's when it's, when it's really not going well is when you truly got to care about them and give them a plan and the solution, how you're going to get better because that builds trust in, and really trust is built over time. It's not, you can't fast track it. You can't manufacture it. You're going to go through things. So, the more opportunities I could I could show love and these guys care about them and build trust, it, it's I think that is really the building blocks and the foundation of where we want to be. If, 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 and that's different than the standard and 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 how hard we're going to work. And that's the hockey side of it. I think the the human element gets lost in this at times. And and um, I'm not in it to just 
win the race and try and get the Stanley Cup and be successful. I, I, I don't think you can fast track that. I think especially this the stage where we're at with our team, I, I truly believe that, you know, to push these guys to a level where I think we need to push them, they got to trust me. And I'm a first-time head coach. They don't know me. They shouldn't trust me. Um, and how do you build trust? Well, it's over time and going through things together. Uh, you know, you, you talk about relationships, whether you've been married or long-term girlfriend, it takes time. It, 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 love is built over a long, long time. It, you don't fall in love in two days. That's lust. It's totally different. And and to just show care about somebody, you have to go through situations. And, um, you know, three weeks into my job, uh, you know, we lost a goalie. A goalie died. Um, I got a call at, at, at uh, July 4th at 1130 at night saying one of my goalies just, just died from a firework accident. And my heart just sank. It was like it was an, an, an unbelievable experience and just oh, the pain and suffering. And, and I'm I'm in my truck the next morning at 5 a.m. driving to Michigan and not sure what I'm getting into. But I knew I had to be there and just just to be there and try and help them. I don't know what there's nothing you can say. You can't you can't uh, you can't say enough things. It's just to be there. Um, because I wanted to be there, not because I'm a coach and it looks good on a resume. I wanted to be there with them and, and, and cry with them and hug on them and, and do what I could to help them. Um, so so that that's something that's a situation that just happened. That's one situation. But what I'm saying is these these things are important to me. Uh, I believe they're foundational. I think um, anything worth having in life, it, it's going to take time. And it's going to, you know, when you're building love, uh, care and, and, and trust, it, it, it takes time. It, it, there's a building process to that. So I really focused on those things. Um, I think the stage of our group, it, it's, it's, that's exactly where we're at. They're, they're young. We're, we're the second youngest team in the league. We're the, we were the youngest team starting the year. Um, and you know, most of, the, the pundits and, and experts had us finish in the, the bottom three or five in the league. Uh, and we were one game under 500. We, we certainly overachieved. Our group went through the wall right to the end of the final buzzer, which I was so proud to watch. But these guys truly, truly cared about each other. You could see it in building that family environment that, that's genuine, not manufactured, but genuine where they feel comfortable coming to the ring. And, but that's when I truly believe you can push and I, because they know that your heart's in the right place. It's not about me. It's not about, I'm not trying to build a resume. What I'm trying to do is get the most out of them and make sure that, um, you know, they all say they want to win, you know, and, and so, but winning, there's a sacrifice to winning. There's, there's a massive commitment to winning and, and it's my job to help direct them along with my staff. So, um, but you've got to have these other things in place first. It doesn't, I, it can't just point fingers and, you know, I can yell at them and get them to do stuff, but that's going to run dry. Eventually you're going to hit a wall on that. So uh, I think these guys did it collectively. I think they worked together on that. And you saw a group that uh, truly enjoyed coming to the rink, putting in the work. And and now, you know, we're going to have to do it again and, and really up the ante this year. Yeah. You, um, yeah, the one word that makes me cringe sometimes when, you know, whoever's talking about players and, and they call them assets, um, mm -hmm. you know, and it is, you mean the business side of it, they are and their resources and these other things. But I mean, that's where I think that disconnect comes, as you're saying, like that they're that they're humans, you know, like because some kid who, who was drafted in the first round, 18th overall, doesn't doesn't quite get it done in the first season and a half. You know, he's, he's, he wants to get it done. He'd like to get it done. You know, like he's, he's not a wasted asset or a wasted resource. And I think what you're talking about there, I mean, if, if that message is coming from the head coach that you do care, you know, you want the best for him, which makes it be best for the team. Uh, 
you're you're allowed to to ask different things of them, right? And and you're in your and you're you're building that trust that they're gonna they're gonna follow through on that. And I think that that's a awesome foundational piece to go from. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I just the, the human being in me and what I'm doing now. I mean, that's that's where I have my most success when they when the people I'm working with trust trust me that my intention is their best interest, right? Their their greatest potential. Uh, and that's my, and that's the goal. You mean it, it's easier to get on board? Um, I think it's obviously more difficult for you with dealing with with twenty three guys, like you said, on the same team. And and maybe that's the the segue is is that do you deem that your your job to know these twenty three guys that intimately, uh, kind of on the day to day that 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 you're you're building that yourself, or is that kind of spread out throughout your coaching staff? Yeah. Well. Well. Two things. You know, just comment on what you just talk touched on here prior was um you know we can talk about it but you know the old saying talk is cheap right so it's it's all built on action they're gonna know if i didn't say a word in that locker room for 82 games in practice my actions are gonna say everything in in how i deal with things and how i show them and and they're watching me too how i handle situations so um the action part of it really is the most important talk talk's great the interview's great but do you follow through do you, do you, do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you, you know, cares real easy when it's going well. Um, but when there's heat and it's not going well, you're still, are you still caring? Are you loving about them? Are you still interested in what their family's going on? And um, so now to, to go to the next stage. Yeah. I think that's a real important part of my job is, is to understand them. And it's, it's not surface level stuff. I think it's, it's not, uh, yeah, I want to get to know them, but I want to understand them. Uh, like what, it's not about, and it's like you said. I, I, I hate I, someone. Someone was saying, you know, how do you how do you handle it? I'm like, I'm not there. I'm not handling them. You know, I'm 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 beside. I'm walking with them. I want to grow with them, and I, I need to understand them. It's not. I'm not handling them, and that sounds more like a, a real shallow way of dealing with an athlete. It's it's you know, and learning how to understand them is takes time too. And and I had been with this group. It, it's not. Uh, it's not something that you can you can fast track again. It, it's you're going to go through. And that's what in this 82 games, you, you know, they're going to be frustrated. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to have expectations. I'm going to set the standard. In, you know what what that looks like for them. And sometimes, you know, a, a lot of times I, when I talk to the player, it's you know if we have a conversation about what how it should look like, and and so you know it's either. It comes really to, to to two things here. Either I lower my standard of what I think you are, or you got to raise the bar, right? And and I can lower that standard. That's fine. And maybe I'm asking too much, but then understand that it's going to have consequences. It's probably going to be less ice less ice time, less responsibility. Or you got to get out of your comfort zone. You know, raise your bar. Here's some solutions. Here's three or four things that you really need to tap into, and I think could help you. I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm here to help in any way, but I'm not, I'm not a babysitter. You know, I got a lot of things going on and that doesn't mean I don't care. It just means, look, when I give you something, you know, now you got to be a pro. You, you, you got to take it upon yourself to, to grow in those areas. And, and I will surely help you through it um, along with my staff. But, but that's what being a pro is at this level. You know, we're, we're not 14 and 15 years old anymore. This is, you're getting paid a lot of money to do something and you have to do it at a high level. So, but I am going to give him a blueprint. I'm not just going to say, hey, well, you know, figure it out on your own. That, that's that's part of my job, along with my staff, is to identify 
you know, maybe two or three things that could really help grow them. I'm not going to give them 10 because I think that's too much. I think a lot of guys, less is more. And, 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 and most of the times it is, whether it's a lack of competitiveness, whether it's a, whether it's a skill set stuff uh, along the wall, wall work, whatever that is, you know, if it's a, a lack of um, understanding of our structure and, you know, there, there's things that, that we can do to help. If it's, if it's just as simple as um, edge work and skating, we have a skills guy. That's something we can work on, but it might be a combination of all those things. Um, but so, so that's what you try to do is you, you try to give them a, a little bit of a, a window of what it's going to look like or a picture to help them. But then they got to take it on. And I watch. I watch very closely. You know, everybody's gangbusters the first week, you know, but the, the problem is everybody wants instant results. And if it doesn't work in the first week or two, they're like, well, that's not working. Well, you know, it's like working out in, in the summer. You don't work out hard for two weeks and then go, OK, well, I'm good. And then September, I'm going to I'm going to test great. If, if you keep putting the work in every single day and the harder you work, quite honestly, the gains get smaller. But but those smaller gains are bigger than the gains you were making initially, you know, but but that I, I talked to a lot of our guys that last seven percent is the hardest seven percent you're going to have to work through. You know what I mean? It's it's like being really overweight and you lose 60 pounds in the first three months. But then to keep doing it, it gets harder and harder and harder. And that's how the team separate themselves. And, and it's that last seven percent. And, you know, when you gain two percent of the last seven percent. That's probably the biggest gains you've you've had, but it's going to be the hardest gain. And you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to push, and you're going to have to really uh, dig deep and and start getting that last. And it's hard. It's hard. It's you know I evaluate all my players uh, now. I look at them and going, is this the guy that I want? And you know, is he going to be able to have 28 games in him when it counts the most? You know, are you, are you able to go four rounds? of seven game series and, and be there standing and can I rely on you can I trust you are you going to push and that's really all my assessment is now with all these guys that's awesome that's a great uh I love that being being like the end conclusion on a guy right like it's not not the 82 games but yeah obviously you want to get to the playoffs and then is that guy going to be able to get you through which is which is pretty cool going to take a short break from the podcast here which i know you're enjoying just to talk about upmyhockey.com and the growth of up my hockey in the past two years has been phenomenal you know this podcast has been a platform where i've been able to use my network within the game to have conversations that i think are important ask the questions that i feel are relevant um, to what i do which is help athletes get better to help them realize their goals and dreams to speak about these intangibles and teach some of these intangibles that are outside of the norm meaning you know, skating, edge work, shooting that people always uh, do. They obviously do drive a hockey player. You know, the, these, the physical skill sets are super important. But when we're talking about becoming elite, you know, that becoming the, the, the small portion of the funnel, wanting to play in a junior team, wanting to get drafted, like the percentage of players that get drafted, the percentage of players that go on to get a scholarship, the percentage of players that play pro or play in the NHL, this is hard to do. Uh, and the one thing that can allow you to be better and, and to increase your chances of being able to make the roster and find a spot on the team that you want to are the intangibles around mindset. That is something that still isn't talked about enough, and it is the biggest differentiator, I believe, uh, in a very, very competitive environment. So the podcast allows me to talk about these things, yet 
upmyhockey.com is where it lives, where the rubber meets the road. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, if you like some of these discussions, and if you want to use them either for your hockey team or use them for your player, or you are a player and you'd like to become more well-educated, figure out how this stuff can apply to you in your own personal game, uh, that's where Up My Hockey comes in. I have a four-week program called the Peak Potential Hockey Project that isn't even a year old. I can't even believe it. It seems like I launched it forever ago, but I actually launched it for the first time in August. I put it together all summer, didn't know how it was going to work, how it was going to fit, and the reviews and the testimonials have have been off the charts. The teams have loved it that have used it. The individuals uh, that have used it have loved it. Um, Massive growth in the players that are are taking it, and it's not even a year old yet. So big things coming up for Up My Hockey this year. I've been working with uh, some bigger groups, um, some leagues even, uh, that I know that the, that the Peak Potential Hockey Project is going to be reaching more places um, than it has uh, even this last year, which was super successful. So if you're interested in what, in what the Peak Potential Hockey Project is or in working with me, either personally or in a group format, check out myhockey.com. Uh, I'm going to have the next group session, the guided mission I call, become available at the beginning of August. Uh, that's where I'm going to run one in-house here. Uh, if you want to work with me privately, you have to reach out on the website to see um, if we're going to be a good fit or not and if that will work. And you can also get the uh, the Peak Potential Project as a solo mission. If you want to get started right now and not have me involved with the coaching sessions and just take the material and take the lessons in the four weeks um, and, and the four different themes that are involved in that, by all means, you can go ahead and do that right now. So upmyhockey.com for all things uh, Mindset with Jason Padolin. And I look forward to hearing from you. If you want to reach out, I I love hearing about hockey players and what their goals and dreams are and if I can help. Now let's get back to the podcast with Brad Larson. Well, I liked how you talked about these guys as individuals and and, and in in different spaces in their careers, different aspects of their life. And, And one thing I love about the psychology of performance is the motivators. Uh, like like everyone gets motivated by different stuff, you know, and that can be superficial stuff like yelling or a praise, but it can also be like, like, does he really want to lead the league in points? Does he want to be the number one center? Does he, does he like the accolades in the paper? Does he, does he want to be a team guy and everyone respect him? Like there's so many different things that motivate players. And I think, um, the more that I get involved in high performance and like understanding that, like you said, understanding the player, the individual is so critical because if you don't know what makes them tick, like you're not going to be able to help them through that last 7% as you talked about. Exactly. And, and you, 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 you go through these things and, and you, you have argument, argument, you have, uh, you know, like I always say, I'll always be honest. And that, that's my number one rule as a coach is, I believe in total honesty and transparency and there's no gray. And if you're not sure, then come in my office and find out because um, there's nothing worse than not knowing there's not, you know, you may not agree, but that's okay. You just need to know where you stand with me. And, and, you know, there's, I've had many uh, disagreements with players and, but I think it's healthy. I think that's, but at least they know where they stand. And so, the, un- the understanding each other and, and what motivates it. Like I said, every, a lot of these guys, some, some of them are just purely motivated by money. And, yeah. and it's, I get it. It's, it's a huge industry and, and it's an analytic world. And, and, and usually numbers translate to big contracts and people like buying cars and, and lifestyle. And so, you know, who am I to say that that's wrong? I, I, I don't know, but, but they have to fit into the standard and, and the foundation of what we're going to be. And, and, you know, if you're if you're purely money driven, 
it's 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 only going to take you so far i believe i i think that's an aspect that because uh, you don't really get paid in playoffs you know you, you don't you get a share which is when you're a high dollar guy it that that shares a, a drop in the bucket it's not even a two-week paycheck for these guys so so if, you, if you're money driven you know really at the end of 82 games it's like i'm good I, i've got my money right so um i gotta be really careful when i'm watching too it, and you can you can feel it if if some guys are that's what i'm saying is he going to be able to go seven games uh times four is that a guy so yeah it's it's uh it, it's it's so intriguing to me and, and um it's something that i'm very passionate about and and you know you only have so many hours in a day uh, and you you're trying it but i do you ask me do i use my coaches you're darn right i do i, I hire my coaches to trust them and and, and i have fantastic coaches who are 100 percent invested in the players um i think they they see the vision and they they truly believe in the vision and what we want to do here um they all add something different which is awesome and and they speak their mind and i i empower them in every opportunity i i can because i think that's so important for the players to see and and uh you you've got to see that that we're in it together too it's not just uh, I, I've been a player and seen staffs that don't get along and, and it's it's uh, it's uncomfortable. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate. I got a fantastic staff. That's all in. So so, you know, it was something I did early in the season was I would I gave uh, every coach. They had five players that they had to talk to. They had a week <clears throat> where they go for lunch. They could have a five minute conversation, 10 minute conversation, whatever. But uh, can't be done in their office has to be anywhere else other than there. Um, but just check in, you know, where are they at? You know, we might find something out. We might find out someone's uh, struggling with uh, one of their kids at home. Uh, maybe they, they lost a, a family member. Maybe someone's dealing with a sickness. Maybe, you know, as simple as they're having a fight. You just, you just don't know. And, and, and a lot of times that'll explain a lot of things that's going on in the ice. Uh, maybe you saw they're just the lack of focus isn't there. And you're like, what, what's going on? And so having these personal uh, conversations, I think are important. Um, because we do care. It, it's not, again, it's not because we're not genuine. We don't, we really want to know. And because it's going to help us as coaches, it helps me coach you better if I know. Um, and then I can try and help them. Hey, look, I don't know what I can do, but if I can help you at home, what can we do? Do you need a, a psychologist? Do you need help? Do you need, you know, do you need a marriage counselor? You, you just don't know. And nowadays I think, you know, you're supposed to just kind of shove it down and uh, you don't say much about it. You're an athlete. You're not supposed to. But I, I think those days are, are going. I think they're out the door. And I think if you if you don't recognize that there 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 is that human element first, how are you going to get uh, to their best performance, right? And and not in a selfish way. I want them to achieve their best performance for them, not for me. And I think because when they all do that as a team, that's my reward as a coach. It's it's so fun to watch a group go through the wall for each other, uh, have success. And, and, and that's the reward. It, it's not about me and my staff. We're there to help them and, and give them some foundation and, and some structure, but to watch them execute it as a group, have fun in the process, but go through the pain and the work of it. That's the reward. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's the journey that, that, that I just enjoy being on and just to see how far we can get it. You touched on it earlier about kind of expectations going in. And I think that, uh, for you and maybe not with 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 Yarko and 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 the team there but like it's 
it's never, I don't think, okay to plan to lose, right? Or think that it's going to be okay to lose. You know, you said like, you know, some of the pundits are saying you're in the bottom three. I mean, I can't imagine you sitting there going, oh, well, that's going to be okay. You know, I mean, it, what is that like before a season like this? Like you said, you started the youngest team in the league. Of, of course, expectations maybe can't be the playoffs. Maybe they are. Like, what did you think the bar could be for this group uh, when you set out on your first your first season behind the bench? Well, you don't really know. And, and not only were the were the youngest team, but understand that, you know, you had Seth Jones, who was assistant captain. You had Nick Foligno, who was a captain. You had Cam Atkinson, who was assistant captain. You had David Savard, who wasn't an A, but pretty much was an A. They all left. They were all gone, right, through trade and different things. And so you had a whole shift in leadership. It wasn't just that we were young. Young's one thing, but now you got Boone Jenner as a new captain. You got, you know, we empowered uh, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand with an, an A, and you got Wierenski with an A, Nyquist with an A. So now you have a whole shift in leadership also. So, and you have a new staff. You have me taking over as a head coach. Um, you have uh, two new assistants and, you know, the goalie coach was the same skills coach was the same, but there was a big shift like on, on the coaching side from our team side. So there was a lot of balls in the air. Let's put it that way to juggle. And, and you don't know, you don't know, uh, you know, I had a pretty good idea what we were going to look like. And, and we didn't go out and sign a bunch of defensemen. Uh, we didn't add any sermon. And so we we're already a little bit, uh, young and efficient, probably in some areas, but guys were getting an opportunity. And now how, what they were going to do with it, I didn't know. And you know, I, I, I looked at our group, I felt like we were, we had youth and we had speed. Um, that's something we could use to our advantage. Uh, but, you know, a lot of inexperience. You looked at our back end, we had, we had one guy that had over 400 games, that was Waransky. And our next guy was 125 games, no, it was 201 games, but he was in the minors basically from, from the first month of the season, that was Scott Harrington. He never really played much with us. Next game was 125, which was Gavrikov. And then everybody else was under 100 games. Our whole 8D core, like, which is incredible when you look at that. So you, you know you're going to have some lumps. You, you just are. And, and they're going to have to go through it together. And so, and then even at the center position, you know, you got Boone Jenner in your, in your one hole. And, you know, it, it's a he's a tremendous competitor. But quite honestly, he's probably better suited for a second line winger or a third line center or winger like when you're deep enough. If you're the Colorados or the Tampas of the world, and that's not a slight on Boone Jenner. That just means you have enough depth where you can put him in those situations. And you have Roslovic, who's basically going into his second year as centerman in the NHL. And then we have an 18-year-old centerman that's playing in Cole Sillinger. And then we had Crowley, who's a fourth line. So there's a lot of key positions that we were young or inexperienced. And so... As far as expectations, we knew that there was going to be um, some trying times. And the, the really the biggest surprise, we started 12 and 6, um, which was great. But quite honestly, you, you knew that you could see it in the play. Like there's some things that our goalies were probably probably keeping us in or playing above. We had a lot of comeback wins, which is not a great recipe to, to be sustainable in the winning column. Um, you know, but they're all hyped up and ready to go and they think it's going to continue. And as coaches, you kind of see that it, it's going to end at some point. And, and it hit us. We, it started, we went to St. Louis on a back-to-back. -back. They were rested, good period or good first period. And then they just, they spanked us, you know, big, heavy team experience. Um, and then two nights later, we were in Nashville who were on a six game winning streak, big, heavy team. And uh, they spanked us in their, in their building. Then we went to Dallas, who's on a seven game winning streak. Or winning streak two nights later um experience two years removed from or one year removed from the stanley cup finals 
Uh, we lost by a goal, but we weren't really in that game. And then we ended up in Washington, another experienced team. You know what I mean? So we lose four straight on the road. And you could see these guys going, what just happened? And I'm going, the league's now, the season has started. We're 20 games in. And you're starting to play these big, heavy, experienced teams. We come home. We win the game we're probably supposed to win. And then we're right back in Toronto. You know, a team that's been pushing not for playoffs but for the cup. You know, and, and we lose 5-4, but that was scoring three goals in the third period to get it to 5-4. Uh, and then we come back and we win a game against Anaheim where, you know, we lose in overtime. but Or, sorry, we lose in overtime. We get a point out of that, but that's a good point. But then we're on the road again to Calgary and Edmonton. And, and you know, these these big, heavy, experienced teams that that's when I think our group, it was kind of a wow factor for them, where our youth showed up, where our likes and, and lack of experience. And, you know, so now – this is when we really started to have to coach, you know, and, and how are we going to help them through this? And we went through some ups and downs and, 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 you know, we, we, we broke a franchise record for goals for, but we also broke it for goals against in the wrong way. You know, they, they scored too many goals. So that's going to be, if you want to win in this league, you got to keep it out of your net. It's great. You score, but that's where youth, that's where the inexperience, I think that's where it all started to uh, show its warts in, in our season. So, you know, I think your original question was, you know, where did you see this or expectations? We weren't sure. I, I, I didn't believe we were a bottom five team or a bottom three team, but um, I knew playoffs was going to be a tall order with, with what we had in our group, especially the Eastern Conference. So you look, it was a beast this year. Oh, yeah. Absolute beast. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't have projected that I was, you're going to take 100 points to get in the playoffs. You know, it, that, that's, that's insane. It's never been done. So your your eighth your eighth seeded team's got 100 plus points and you're the eighth seed. That's insane. So uh, this is the first time I've seen in, in gosh in 20 some years that kind of separation between really the top eight and the bottom eight. There was a there was a line and we were the we were the near the top of the bottom teams, but we weren't even close to the top eight. And that's how big a gap there was this year. And is that going to continue? I don't know. Uh, was it a, kind of an aberration this year? I'm not sure, but. Um, you know, the Islanders was one of those teams that got hit with COVID and all that stuff early on. So they, they were fighting them way back, but it was really us and them and then everybody else below us, you know? And, and so a crazy year. Um, but we, we, we ended up one game under 500, you know, and, and that was, I'm telling you, that was a, you, you never want to be satisfied and, and satisfied isn't the word, but I saw growth and that's what we needed to see. And, and when we addressed this group, uh, especially my leadership group, it was about uh, 18 or 20 games left and, and uh, playoffs were slipping. And, you know, I challenged them that, to lead it in practice because I wasn't pulling back in practice and what we we're doing and, and, and all that. So and they let it. They, they played right to the final buzzer. And, um, you know, that's that's what we needed to do. I am never going to coach to lose. I don't believe in that. I think you you're playing a very dangerous game. You start coaching to lose and and you know you're trying to lose or I, I just I don't believe in that that theory I don't think it works I don't think you you get rewarded properly and I think you're you're putting um, the habits that you're creating with your team will will linger all the way through for a long time and so you know to me it's all about building the foundation of winning and you know we'll let the score take care of itself but we're going to play the right way you know I, I told them very clearly how we win and how we lose are very important right now. And and I'm watching closely the guys that are still pushing. And our guys did. They pushed right to the end. Yeah, that's an impressive year. It was an impressive year. I mean, I was definitely rooting for you guys. The, the start that you had, like you said, and then you just kept clawing, right? And you kept kept staying, sticking around, sticking around. 
Um, and it was a you know tribute, especially for the you know like you said all the change and all the upheaval that that was happening there. You guys did fantastic. What um, when you look at the the big analytics, I'm not sure if you're like you mentioned earlier, you you're an intangible guy, and I know you to be an intangible guy. But you also said you also d- dug into the analytics a little bit. Like as far as the macro analytics, the goals for the goal against the PK, the PP, those types of things. Like where do you think you need to improve the most next year? Or is there a direction from that standpoint? Do you look at it in that in that way as a coach? Yeah, like right away, we got to keep the puck out of our net more. We got to get, you know, keep away the high danger areas. Um, I think, you know, it always goes back to is it, is it, is it the lack of talent or structure, right? Or is it a combination of both? And, you know, that's what you fight as a coach a little bit. Are, are we, is it the right structure, wrong team? Was there a right structure for this team? Um, we did a lot of good things. Like for me to keep the puck out of net, it's a very layered question. It's not just, well, you got to be better in your D zone. For me, it's we got to be heavier in the O zone. We're too light this year. We didn't spend nearly enough time in the O zone. And and the what I learned from the, the you know those years we made playoffs four years in a row. Um, there's very very few nights where we didn't spend more time in their zone um, than the, than the opponent in ours. So if you're in their zone, they can't attack you, right? So to me, I'm looking at at the other end first. We got to get heavier. We got to possess the puck more. We got to make sure that we're heavier and um, making sure we're spending more time in there and that it goes from everything to me is connected for, from how you forecheck to, to how you reload, to how you track, to how you arrive, to how you exit. It's all one. And so when you do it in five man units, when you do it, uh, with a heaviness and a, and a competitiveness and a tenacity, uh, and a relentlessness, then you have something and it requires, uh, all five guys being on board. So, so that's an area that we, we to me, we got to get bigger. I think we got to get stronger and I think, you know, we're going to try and address some of those areas too. So, but, so for me to, to be a better defending team, we've got to be a better forechecking and, and OZP time team. Um, we got to track better. We got to ride better. Um, and then, you know, there's some things in the D zone we're going to look at and, and maybe make some changes. Um, we're going to probably talk at the draft. I have some ideas, but us as a staff, we'll come up with that together uh, and we'll see what our team looks like too. You know, we, there's going to probably be some changes, you know, like no team rarely comes back the exact same, right? So um, there's some areas we're going to try and improve, uh, whether that's through agency or through trade. Uh, we have, you know, we have some high picks. And do you move some of those picks to get a player? It, you know, again, these are all things for for Yarmo and his his staff and management staff to, to figure out what they want to do. But um, we'll have a better idea probably around mid-July to, to August 1, what our team's going to look like. Right. And, and then we can kind of game plan a little bit more. But um, the big picture is it's got to be, you know, there, there was one team that was in the red uh, and I think that was Dallas and every other team, their differential was a plus. So you want to be a playoff team, you have to be in the plus side. You have to be. It's, that's just, you know, I think Dallas was the aberration there a little bit. Yeah. They snuck in, but you're, that's, that's got to be a focal point. And, but then again, we got to give them the plan. It can't just be, we got to be uh, better in our D zone. Cause I don't think it's just as simple as be better in your D zone. I think it, there's all these areas that you have to be better in also, that make you a better defending team. Yeah, well, you mentioned the, the I mean, the just the age of your defensemen. I mean, uh, there has to be growth there from the next year. You would think just from the experience side of it, right? Figuring the league out, and these guys are going to be older and 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 wiser uh, because of it. Uh, but you mentioned the word heavy again and again and again. Now, I, I think I know what you mean by that. I'm not sure if the listeners do or not. Like, does that mean? Does that mean actually physically playing a different way, or do you actually want bigger players or both? Well, to, to me, I think everybody will want the biggest, strongest, 
fastest player you can get, highest skilled, right? I think you in a perfect world. Now, the, the one thing that I, I will I will argue with a lot of people is com- competitiveness can come in, in much different packages. It doesn't have to be, you know, a really good example. We, we signed this Nick Blankenberg from uh, Michigan. Didn't know much about him. Um, he's five foot. He says he's five foot nine, but I would, that could be debatable. Um, about 165 pounds, he came in and uh, I didn't know much about him. I knew he was a competitive kid from what I had heard, but he came in and, and I'll say this with, with total honesty, he played eight of the last nine games or 10 games. And he was one of the most competitive players I've seen all year. Um, his defending details were outstanding. His awareness on the ice, you could, you could have, you could have actually built uh, how to defend uh, a video just of this kid. Now he's a rookie. He's, he's, he's not 18 years old. Obviously he's a four year player at Michigan uh, was the captain. You gotta understand this kid was the captain of the team where they had uh, four guys in uh, out of the top five first round picks. So it says something about him right away. But his story is incredible how he got there and he started us forward. His team was, you know, in midget and then they, they got all banged up and coach asked who, you know, who wants to play defense. He stuck his hand up, said, I will. And he's the smallest guy on the team and ended up being a good defenseman. They recruited him when he went, went played uh, junior A hockey in Alberta. Uh, somebody from Michigan came and recruited him, said, hey, look, I don't know if you'll make the team. Ends up making the team, doesn't get a scholarship, uh, plays every game but one. The next year doesn't get a scholarship again because they got all used up, pays his own way again. By year three, he's an assistant captain. By year four, he's the captain of the team. So I, I look at this guy, and, and he's 5'8", 165 pounds, and I, and I can't wait to, have to coach this kid because of his intangibles, how hard he plays, how um, his competitiveness. So so when you ask the word, what what's heaviness? You know, I think we all want to be 6'3", 6'4", 210, fly, you know, high skill, but um, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, but to me, that heaviness really should be coupled with competitive and – and, and really the third thing on that is, is, is that hockey acumen, the hockey IQ, how important that is. It, it's, you can skate a million miles, miles up and down the ice, but if you're not really, if you don't have any hockey sense, it really doesn't serve you well. It, it's a, it looks great in the skills contest or practice, but in a game, it doesn't serve you as well. So um, the, the thing about that competitiveness and heaviness is, you know, we could be a perfect structured team, but if you're not competitive enough at the puck, it really doesn't matter. You, you arrive on time, but you know, if they're blowing through you and blowing through your coverage all the time, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter. So, um, so those are the things that are important to me. And I think, I think our management, I think our staff um, creating those competitive environments in practice and, and, and talking about it, showing it on video and making sure that they understand what that looks like. And, and it's, you know, do I want guys flying around hammering guys? If if the opportunity is there to take a hit, you you give it, you know, because I think they're expecting it. Don't let them down, but don't chase it. I think you could chase the game, and, and that's foolish. But I want to know that uh, when teams play us, that that we're just relentless. You know, we're at the puck. They, we just don't quit. And 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 I think you can you can will yourself to some wins. And I think there's, the, you know, it is a game of attrition. I think it, 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 you know, you're wearing teams down and I think that serves you well in playoffs, you know, if, and when we get there, that we're, we'll be very uh, prepared for that. And, and that's our jobs as, as coaches to make sure that in, in this early stage, that uh, setting that standard, what that's looked like, uh, what that's going to look like um, as far as the size of the team, love big, 
Um, but I, I'll take competitive over big any day as long as we got the right players. And, and, and I think that's, it's, it's got to be a mix, and I think that's what we're looking for. Right. Yeah, I don't know how familiar you are with the Oilers. Or, I mean, I know you're, you're so wrapped up in your own team, but the guy that I use as an example like, all the time with the people I work with is Yamamoto. Like, small guy, and he, like, to me, he's just so relentless on the puck. Like he, and like to, like to your word, competitive. You know what I mean, and he's not, he's not blowing up people. You know, what I mean? he's not big enough to blow up people. But like he, second and third effort around the puck, like like how he causes turnovers and and his pursuit of the puck is like that's how I show my the, the younger players or the smaller players I work with. I'm like you can like this is what competitive means for somebody in your in your package. You know, like the facility that you have, you can't be. Um, you know, a Patrick Maroon. It doesn't make sense. You're not going to go in there and try and blow people up, but you can. You definitely can be ultra competitive on the puck, you know, with your second and third effort. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to watch the, the player you're talking about. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with his name, but it sounds like he's kind of a little bit of a clone of Yamamoto. And I love watching players like that because they're inspiring to everybody else on the on the team too. Well, especially as a demon, it's a uh, yeah, it's a whole nother game back there. You know, it's one thing to be a winger; it's another thing right. to be the last line of defense, and and you're boxing out guys, and and you're picking up sticks like. He has an incredible gift. And, and this is what I said to him. You know, I said it to the media. He didn't show up here to the NHL and go, oh, man, I'm small. He's been small his whole life. This it, it, isn't news to him. So he's had to, to play as an undersized guy. Now you're doing it at the highest level. So, you know, everything goes up. It's quicker. It's faster, you know, and, and stronger. It's all those things we talk about. But when you have the will and 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 I'll say this: his awareness on the ice is incredible. The information he takes in in a D zone on his arrival is is about as good as I've seen, and and that's coming in eight games. And you know, some guys come in and have success early, and it you know I always call that you know the honeymoon phase. Everybody's got adrenaline; they're all excited and they're all amped up. But uh, you know, the reality of the NHL sets in at some point because it's a hard league. But you know, usually they're doing it with max effort. When I watch the way he plays, it, it, yes, his, his effort competitive is outstanding. But when you watch his details and um, the information, and I think as an undersized guy, if you're not taking information, you're going to get killed. You you really are. You're going to get hurt. And and I think that's his biggest asset is his, his awareness of what's going on, the information he takes, and then the, the next play that he makes when he gets the, uh, the decision he makes when he gets the puck is spot on because he's – and this is what I'm saying. I could teach defensemen, go watch what he's doing. He knows what's behind him. He knows what's in front of him. He knows where the puck's going to go before he even gets it, if he's going to get the puck. And and that's how you play fast, right? That that that's that's what a fast player does. He's already he already has two or three plays in his mind. And then you add his competitiveness at the puck. It's uh, it, he's it, like I said, you don't know anything about him. He showed up at the end of the year. We got him with Kent Johnson, who was a fifth overall pick. So. You know, he, he ended up signing with us. And, and uh, so, again, he kind of gets overshadowed. And But there's something there. And, and, you know, another good example is that is that Gallagher from Montreal. You know, you watch how he plays. He's You can't get him out of the blue paint. He's just – he's just he's like a gnat. And, um, but competitive, ultra competitive and, and at the puck. He's not the prettiest skater. He's not – He's not Paulus Boone Jenner's a great guy. You know, he's bigger. He's 6'2". He's like 205. But he scored 23 goals, and I bet you 21 of them are from the blue painter in. It's just that he's willing to go to the hard areas. He's willing to get his nose dirty. He's willing. He understands where the goals are going to be scored. He's not going to score him like Patrick Line. He's not going to score him like Bjorkstrand. He's going to score him like Boone Jenner. And the guys that have a willingness to get in there, 
um, and the second, third, fourth efforts and, and just shovel it in. That goal counts just as much getting it over the line as it does hitting the back of the net, you know, and, and the guys who do it, it's hard though. It's hard. It's not easy. And, and that's why not everybody does it because there's, there's a certain will that you have to pull out of yourself to do it and you got to practice it and you got to be relentless at it. And the guys that do it, they have an opportunity to have really uh, an incredible success, but the guys that don't, um, oftentimes they're excuse makers or guys that uh, it just they're not willing to go to that area. And and again, that's when I go back to saying if we can pull them out something out of them and, and build that trust to say, hey, there's something here for you. You can do it. Um, here's here's the roadmap. Here's the compass. I'll set the compass for you. But you know you're going to have to get on that road and go. And, you know, another great story, I know I'm getting long-winded here, is Justin Danforth. He's, he's a guy that he came to us as a 20-year-old rookie. I don't know if you know anything about him, but he's five foot eight. Um, was in, played in the East Coast, bumped around the American League, didn't work out, went over to Europe, uh, played in Germany, I believe, and, and some, you know, ended up in, I think, Switzerland and Russia. He was one of the top scorers in Russia, came to us, so finally got a one-year deal, uh, NHL one-way at 28 years old, came to us. Um, uh, great skater, a little bit lost in camp for me. I don't think he had a great camp and, you know, he's trying to fit in, see where he, he you know, I had to send him to, to the minors on a one way. He just, he didn't do enough in camp. Um, he handled it unbelievably. He, you know, I, I told him, I, said, I don't think you're going to be a center at this level. You're going to have to play wing. He's like, all right, I'm going to go down. He's like, can I play wing down there? I said, absolutely. I'll make sure that happens. He went down there was the best player down there for 10, 15, 20 games, gets recalled, um, doesn't play, gets goes back down, gets recalled again, and starts getting the lineup. And, I, and he had to change his game. He went from scoring goals and assists and near the top of the KHL to now I've got him on a fourth or third line role, being an energy guy, being physical, killing some penalties here and there, and he did it. And he, he's an incredible story when you watch it. Now he earned himself a two-year deal. And – and I told him, I said, you've got to get in the lineup every day to expand your role. I said, you know, he's trying to get ahead of Patrick Liney and, and Jake Vorchek, who's got a thousand games and 900 points. And Bjorkstrand has scored 25 or 30 goals in this league. And Gus Nyquist, who's played on, you know, high caliber teams. And so he said, so you, you're going to have to change. And he did. He did it at 28 years old. He did it. He didn't do it as a 16 or, or a, at a 21 year old kid. At 28 years old, he reshaped this. And by the end of the year, he was one of my most important players. Uh, the energy he brought, his physicality, all things that he was willing to get outside his comfort zone. And now, now, I, I he's invaluable to me. Now I know we can move up and down the lineup. Now I get to see him every day in the game. And, you know, I think he ended up with nine or ten goals at, at the end of the year. I think he had one in the first half. Um, but he's playing every day now because he was willing to change. He was willing to get to an area that a lot of guys won't. They won't do it. And he did it. And so um, it was really neat to see this guy at that age. And I'm going to use this guy as an example for the rest of my year or life as a coach, because it's never too late. If you, yeah. if you have the will, you know, at least there's no regrets, right? At least there's no excuses. At least you, you, you gave it everything you got. If it doesn't work, you tried. And he tried and he succeeded and he got himself a two-year deal uh, uh, on top of the, the one year he had uh, last year. 
Do you feel that there's a there, like passion needs to be involved in that? I mean, you said will, so you definitely have to want to. But like I, I've found in, in working with players, like there's this like some people just like playing hockey a certain way. I mean, that's where their passion is, you know. Like and whatever that means for whoever it is, I don't need to get into examples. But you know what I'm talking about. Like they don't they don't have fun in the corner. That's why they don't go in there. You yeah. know what I mean, that's never been fun for them. They want to score from distance or they want to do whatever. Um, you kind of have to love all aspects of the game in order to change it at 28 too, right? Not only have the will, but you have to just enjoy it right? Showing up and being at the rank and everything else that's involved with the game in order to do that. Don't you agree? Well, yeah. And I say this, the NHL is not for everybody. It's not. It's, there's nothing wrong with going, look, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to play in Switzerland and have a great career. There's not, that's awesome. And it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means, look, if you, if you want to play a certain way and that's, and you can't do it at the NHL, Go over there. You can make great money. And, and it doesn't mean you failed. It, it, so it really comes down to what what do you want to do? And and to be an NHL player, it's going to take sacrifice. There, there's only so many Patrick Lineys and so many uh, Connor McDavid's. They're, they're the one percenters. So quite honestly, if you're trying to make the league being a 40 goal scorer, good luck. <laughs> I'm telling you, because it's hard. If you want to make it as a guy that's a, a detailed guy, good in the face-off circle, block some shots, penalty kill, start it that way, you got a way better chance. I'll tell you that right now. And, and there's way more roles for that than there is the guy being on the right wing scoring 40. So, so think of it that way. Where's my opportunity going to lie? If I come to camp thinking I'm going to be a 30-40 goal scorer, i got to beat out Liney or, or Bjorkstrand. Or i got to go to Edmonton and beat out Connor McDavid and Hyman and Dreisaitl. Or i got to go. It's a, it's a tall order, right? But if I say, look, I'm going to will expand, you know, and and, and here's a great example. I had, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Brad McCrimmon, who passed away in that flight in in, uh, in Russia. I had him as a coach in, in Atlanta. And all the time, he'd be like, Lars, what do you add into your toolbox today? You know, and, and he was spot on. Like, it, it, you can't stop adding. If you're, you know, I, I played left wing, right wing, and center in the NHL, all of it. They asked me to play center. I remember, I will never forget the day Bob Hartley said, you play center before? I said, oh, yeah, lots. I hadn't played center since I was probably 12 years old. But I certainly wasn't going to say no because it was an opportunity to play. I said, yeah, I play lots of center. You know, I lied right through my teeth. And then I started studying. And then I started working on face-offs. And, but guess what? Now it's got me on the penalty kill. It's got me taking face-offs because I could win face-offs on the penalty kill. It was getting me three or four minutes more ice time. And now I'm... A guy, I can be a utility guy. You can use me in any situation, center, right, or left. But you, you got to go. Just do it. You got to embrace it, right? And uh, I had a kid in in, uh, in the American League. We had a big. We were talking about some roles and different things. And his big saying was, "You you you bloom where you're planted, right? You just wherever they put you, be the best version of that." And I that always hung with me. I'm like, "What a great idea!" Like instead of complaining and going, "I should be this, it should be that," just do what. What do they ask me? Just do it. Do it the best of your ability. And so, so quite honestly, the, the, the guys that are, you've got to really want to know what you want. You need to know what you want. If, it, if you want to be in the NHL, well, you're going to probably have to expand your game because by the time you get to the NHL and you're entering that locker room and you're out of camp, everybody was the best where they were at. Everybody. He was either the defenseman of the year. He was either defenseman of the year in, in Europe. He was the top scorer and the winger in, in Russia. He was the best centerman in college. He was in junior. He made uh, first all-star team and played on Team Canada. These guys are here because they were the best at what they did. So it is that pyramid effect. So now, how do you add value to this team? When I played in Colorado 
And I looked at the team. There was, you know, at that time there were six Hall of Famers, and this team was like loaded to win. It wasn't playoffs. It was Stanley Cup or bust. You have Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg and, and Ray Bork and, and Rob Blake and Patrick Waugh. Your half your listeners probably know who these guys are, but what I'm saying is these guys were good Hall of Fame players. Um, and I'm going, where do I fit in? How am I going to do it? Yeah, junior, I was good. 80 points and 35 goals and Team Canada, a couple gold medals, captain of one team. You know, yeah, it looks great in resume, but everybody was, you know, in some aspects. So I had to change. I had to add some grit, some fighting, some, you know, being a rat and not stuff that I wanted to do, but I had to, I could be a 20 goal scorer in the American League or I got an opportunity to play six minutes a night in the NHL and be an NHL player. And there was guys on my team in the American League, really good players that didn't want to do it. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll try. You know, at least I got no regrets. I, if I didn't work out, it wasn't going to be because I didn't didn't try to do it. And so that was kind of my ace in the hole. I was able to work myself into a role that I was I wasn't a great fighter. I didn't know what to do, but I had to learn. You know, I fought six or eight times my first year and and he challenged me 12 games into the year. Are you going to hit anybody? I fought three games in a row. I'm like, all right. I'll add that. Why not? You know, you lose, you lose. But there there had to be a willingness, right? And, and what was my goal? My goal was to play in the NHL. So I saw a path that I could get on that might get me there, and it, and it did. It ultimately got me there and had a, you know, a little over 300 games. So it was great. Going to take another short break here just to talk about the Facebook community that has grown to over 1,500 families from across North America. Uh, I know not everybody is on Facebook, uh, but it is a great group that I'm really proud of. Started that over three years ago. Uh, it is a free resource for all things hockey, for parents who want to do a better job navigating uh, the space. Uh, is primarily what it's for. You know, whether you're squirt aged or you you 11 aged or all the way up to junior, uh, the journey's hard. The journey's difficult, especially when you got an athlete that is super competitive and wants big things. Um, the parental guidance and structure uh, matters. So we, we talk about mindset there. We talk about things, parenting and how to help. And and it's not just me you're hearing from. It's also the community. You know, there's there's lots of coaches in the group. There's lots of parents that are at a different level than you are at. So it's a, it's a safe place. It's a supportive place. It's a positive place. Um, it's also where, where you get to hear from me and any of my offers or, or new services that I'm, that I'm, that I'm letting, releasing. Uh, you, you're the first to hear of it in there. So if that sounds interesting to you, by all means, come join us at the Up My Hockey Parent group on Facebook. Uh, if you're not a Facebooker, I also have developed a YouTube channel that I've been growing. So most of the things that I'm producing here in studio, I will release, whether it's a lessons from the pro or whether it's something NHL-based, I've been putting on my YouTube channel, which is Up My Hockey. And uh, I'm also in the social media aspect of Instagram. So it's under my personal name, at Jason Padolan, uh, where you get a little more in-depth and personal into what I do on a day-to-day basis with my stories. And I, and I try to uh, keep up to date with, um, with some of the mindset topics that I'm also talking about. So definitely three places to follow me. Uh, up My Hockey uh, Parent Group on Facebook uh, is a great spot, a free group, like I said, that, uh, that I highly encourage people to get involved in. Uh, there's also the YouTube channel for you YouTubers out there. Please subscribe at myhockey.com as I'm trying to actively grow that channel. And then there's also Instagram at Jason Padolan. So look forward to following you there and interacting with you guys on social media. I love the back and forth and hearing from you and, and answering your questions. And if I can be helpful in any, any three of those channels, by all means, please reach out and let me know. Now let's get back to the interview with the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mr. Brad Larson. 
That might be a great segue to to Cole Sillinger. I know you talked about him earlier and how and you know impressed you were with the season, youngest player in the NHL. Um, I read an article that uh, you were talking about him. I don't know when the when it was printed. It was it was after the season was over, but just speaking that you didn't necessarily expect him to make the team, and there was almost points in the season where you wish where you told him, "I wrote it down. I need you to go away," um, and he just wouldn't. You know how how does someone like that who gets drafted after Johnston? Um, I know he was in college at the time, but I mean, he, he makes the team as a center as 18 years old. Like what did he have to do in order to make that a reality? Like what did, what did he do to impress you enough to say, I can't get rid of this guy? Man, Cole, Cole's a, he's, this guy's going to be a real special player and, and he's a little bit of a throwback. I, I, I think he's a little bit of a unicorn and how he thinks the game and how he approaches the game. I, I, I look for every opportunity to get rid of him in camp. And, and then early, you know, you get that, that 10 game window, right. Of, uh, you know, does it turn into your contract? You send him back to junior. His, he, he was a little bit more unique because we could have sent him to the American league too, because he had played in, um, the USHO, um, because the, the major junior had shut down. So he played in the USHO. So if you play in that league, you can go, you can turn pro and then play, you can send you to the minors where you're a junior age player, Major junior, you either got to go back to junior or it's NHL, right? So we had a little bit of a little bit more um, leeway with him and some discretion if we wanted to send him there. But I'm telling you, this kid, he willed himself to the team. He did, and he he obviously he came in great shape. But what he hangs his hat on is his competitiveness, um, his, his work ethic. Those are the two things that that you know. I, I remember early on. It was game two or game three of the season in Detroit. He was, uh, he was having a terrible game um, by the third period. I didn't play him a shift in the third. I just couldn't, you know. And, and um, so the next day, I call him into my office, and when we're we're talking, I said, well, "Well, give me your thoughts on last game. What do you think?" And um, he says, "Well, coach," he said, uh, "He goes, man, I was because I, I had a bad game. He goes, it just, he goes, I would have done exactly what you did. I, I didn't deserve to play in the third period, and and." Um, and that's not the answer I was looking for. And and sometimes you see these kids and it's not genuine or they're telling you what you want to hear. But his self-assessment is incredible. He knows when he's good. He's challenged me before uh, later in the season where he's like, I thought I'm playing pretty good. Why didn't I play more? And I'm like, I thought you were too, but I'm using some guys in different situations because of experience and what they're doing. And But he knows where he's at. And he and his and his intangibles, what what he relies on is his foundation, because I always ask, play, what's your foundation? what things are good things are bad what what is your foundation as a player what do you always come back to um because ultimately you're gonna have ups and downs in the season and it and you know some things it's easy sometimes it's going rough but wh- where do you what is your what who are you cole cylinder what are you going to hang your hat on every night and he wants to be a 200 foot player he wants to be competitive he wants to be the hardest working guy on the ice but then I'll go back to you know the action part of it, right? So it's great, it says all the right things, and I've had plenty of those. But when you watch Cole and you watch how he carries himself, and you watch him in the gym, and you know I asked the strength coach how he goes, he's an animal in the gym, and then he's in practice, he works his tail off in practice, competitive in practice. Um, you watch him in the game, and he's relentless. He, he, he everything he does is it's all out effort, and he's got the skill set. He's got it all there. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a 30-30 guy. I think he's going to be 30 goals. 30. I think he's got potential to be even better than that. But because he's got it, the right mindset. So 
I'm terrified to keep an 18 year old on my team because I know what it can do to a guy and it can, but his maturity for an 18 year old, the respect that he got from the room that I saw by Christmas, most guys don't get in three or four years. Um, he has got a maturity to his game um, as a player, but as a person, as an individual that, you know, his, his parents have done a tremendous job with him, the, the cylinders and, and obviously his dad had a great career, but, um, you can tell that uh, he's a driven player and not just goals and assists. He's driven to be, he wants, he wants to get his jersey in the rafters. He wants to be a, a, a guy that that's relied upon. And, and he understands that it's, it's, there's, there's work ahead and he's not afraid of the work. And so he, he willed himself on the team. He got himself. I, I, I said it to the media many times. I tried to get rid of him. I, I said it right to his face. I'm trying to get rid of you. I, this is before camps over. I said, I'm trying to get you out of here. And I said, but you're playing too well. I said, but if I, if I see a chance, I'm going to get rid of you. And, and again, it was it, for the right reasons. I, I didn't want him to fail, but man, he ended up 16 goals, 30 some points um, as an 18 year old kid in the NHL. That's a heck of a year. And, and he's, he, there's something to be real excited about it by him. But, um, Again, it comes back to his foundation. It's not because he's got a great shot or his great skill set. That's part of the package. That's part of the pie, as I'd say. But what makes his engine is what makes him go and, and his mindset of how he's going to approach each game. Uh, and I'll, sh I'll share this with you. Even at the end of the year, we had our, our exit meeting. And, and I said, you know what? I said, very dangerous to have 16 goals and 30 points your first year because everyone thinks the next year is going to be 20 goals for sure. And 50 points now I got, I know the league well I said what's your mindset coming in the next year I said because it can go south real quick if you don't have the right mindset and, and he goes coach I've thought about this for probably two weeks now and he said I'm coming in knowing that I got to fight for a spot on this team I'm not on the team yet and he and he means it he, he's he's coming in going I got to prove myself again and to get on the team and I said well I like your chances if you come in in pretty good shape you know what I mean he's he's a but his mind is right, and and so uh, it, it, he's a he's a neat kid. Uh, um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really pr privileged to coach a kid like this. I don't think they make him like this anymore. Uh, there's not many that I see, um, but he's 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 a true leader, and and I'm saying that as he's 18, turning 19. I think he's a true leader, and he's got an opportunity to do something real special with our team. That's fantastic. Oh. Let's let's rewind just to that one spot because I mean so you're now trying to find us you're trying to find a way not to have an 18 year old kid there just because you know the pitfalls and I mean the, the how it goes the league's tough right and sometimes people get too much too soon so I hear what you're saying there but this game three now happens and he plays he's a dog so like what, what how, that could have been a really big turning point right like for him like how he showed up the next game at practice whatever the case may yeah. be and Yuri actually watching for him to maybe not be able to bounce back. Did he bounce back instantly or what was that? What was that like there? The next little game bit? four was the Islanders at home. Okay. So at this point, Islanders are very, uh, you know, they're, they're thought of a shoe in as a playoff team, they're experienced, they're big, they're heavy. Um, by the third period of that game, I'm matching him up against Barzell. If that tells you how well he's played. So again, that's remember what I was telling you early in this, like these opportunities, uh, to coach him and see how they're going to react and, and, and not manufacture it. He deserved to not play. I want to communicate with him, uh, you know, get his thoughts, tell him my thoughts and go, that's not going to be good enough. You're going to have to, you know, here, here, here. And 
by the third period of that game, I've got him matched up again. I had to switch, I had to flip matchups because Barzell was torching us uh, on another matchup, and I got an 18 year old kid going against him. He was unbelievable that game. So right there, I'm like, wow, you know, he answered the bell against, and not we're not talking, uh, you know, a bottom five team here. Uh, they, I know they they finish lower than they like, but at that point in the season, they're they're a team that's they're a playoff bound team, and you know they've made some some noise and experience heavy team. And he just went toe to toe with one of the better centermen in the league, and I had to shift him into that because he was out playing our other guys. So, yeah, he responded the right way. Let's put it that way. That's awesome. But good on you. Like, was there any discussion? Because I know that I've seen it, and I've even been a part of it, where you maybe you have a stinker, and then like you're not in the lineup, or you're not even given any opportunity the next game to really like you know bounce back. Let's say you know like you're destined for two minutes and a few shifts, one shift a period. Like, what was the what was your internal thought process with him that next game? Do you want to give him a little leash again or, or, or what? Yeah, to me, the, the player dictates. It, it's not – I don't have any agenda. There's no agenda. My, my job is to help this team win, period. That's that's my job. This is the NHL. It's not the American League. It's not It's not a feeder to the NHL. This is, this is our job is to try and win. So I'm and, – and that's why I'm very transparent with the players. I'm, I'm – you know, I have one goal is to help this group win a hockey game. So – if I don't see some of the things are intangible, some guys have more rope. I'm not silly. Like, you know, the Jake Vorchecks of the world and the Patrick Lineys, they bring other things that other guys can't. So their rope's a little bit different than other guys. But I don't go with any agenda with the player. Um, what I'm seeing is what I'm going to coach that game. You know, they might be low in energy. They might, heck, they might have the flu. I, I don't know. And, and I'm going, you're awful tonight. And, and they get mad. And I go, well, would you play you? Like I, I come take sit in my chair. Let's watch the video, and that's the video doesn't lie. You, you watch the biggest thing that hurt players is the overhead. I mean, I can see two hundred feet of the ice. I can see where you're at. I can see your changes. I can see your tracking. I can see what, you're not giving it tonight. So there's it's not personal. This, is, but if you're not going to do this, this is so I explain to him. This is what I see. So and I might tell him on the bench, hey, we got to pick it up here. You know, start giving me more. Um, and no player is going to say I'm sick or I'm not playing. You know, it's, it's usually after the fact, yeah, I didn't feel good or I had a bad uh, sleep the night before or whatever. But I'm coaching the game. I'm, and that's yeah. all it is. There's no agenda to that. So as far as Cole, I was so intrigued to see how he's going to respond, to be honest with you. Because um, that was kind of our first, uh, you know, little bit of uh, you weren't playing well. <laughs> You're not playing. I don't know how he's going to handle it. I, I have no idea. And he handled it like a champ. Just like, like a pro, and and instead of getting bitter, his self assessment was great. Uh, I didn't even have to show him video; he knew. And and again, he's genuine. He's not he's not telling you because you want to hear it. There's a big difference. You know, I I think my BS radar is pretty good in those situations. And you know, but then you still got to put the action together, right? You go, yeah, you know what? I wasn't good. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, let's see. Let's see what you do about it. And so, no agenda. Um, I have a responsibility to the team to try and win. How about next season? That was one thing when I was looking at, at your squad and you know how young it is. And now you got Kent Johnson who played nine games, who's supposed to be a center too. And you're going to have potentially two 19-year-old centers in the NHL. Like that to me seems like that almost can't happen. But um, there is a potential that maybe it, it will, or maybe somebody has to move or something. But how do you how do you see that? And I know there's no crystal ball, but I mean you have this fifth overall pick uh, from the same draft year, and and you had you have another kid like you just talked about, and obviously are are like a lot that's already played a full season for you. How does that look next year? Well, we'll see. Like I said, the player dictates, and you know you got to understand Kent Johnson hasn't played center in two years either. You know he's in Michigan and he was playing um, 
you know, with the high pick there from, from the crack and for, uh, for most of it on the wing. And then they had an, uh, like they were pretty loaded. So he hasn't played center in two years. And I'm certainly not going to throw him to the wolves and, and try and put him in a position to fail. Cause I don't think that that helps him. I don't, I don't see that being very uh, productive for him. And so we're going to take our time and, you know, some guys, the maturation of a player, there, there, there's no straight path to it. There's no straight trajectory and, and there's no blueprint for it. Like Cole Cylinder's path and his path might be completely different. And I have Chinnikov, who's another uh, first round pick who, who's got an incredible amount of skill set, but they all, uh, how they deal with pressure, how they deal with, uh, understand that these guys come to the NHL as an 18 or 19 year old, they're paying bills for the first time. They may be living on their own the first time. They may be having to get their license uh, out of state and, and set up their phones. And uh, how am I going to eat? They don't know how to cook. They like, it's not just I go put on the uniform and play. Like, they they have to live. They're, this is the human element to it. So we're trying to help them on, on all these aspects. To So Chinnikov's coming from Russia, barely speaks the language. He's, he's, he's adjusting from a big ice game to a small ice game that he's never had to do. Um, the game gets on you faster. He's an explosive player, but all of a sudden you run out of room real quick and you're playing against the best players in the world and the goalies are a little better now. And so it's a big change and the style of play is different, right? So he's his progression and what that's going to look like might take one year, might take three, might be 18 months. I don't know. And, but the player dictates that now Cole played, he only played 42 games the year before. So what's an 82 game schedule? You almost doubled his game. So how does your body hold up? How does your, how does your mental focus hold up? And especially if you're putting him in a top two center role. So Kent Johnson, same thing. You just come off a 40 game schedule in, in Michigan as a winger to put him at center right away in a top six role playing 18 to 20 minutes a night against the best in the world. You got to remember we go into Tampa, it's Braden Point and Stamkos. And then we go into Pittsburgh, it's Sidney Crosby and Malkin. And then we go to uh, Washington and it's Kuznetsov and Backstrom. And then we go like, these guys are seasoned pros, big, strong winners. And you're going, okay, kid, good luck. I mean, you know, that's the difference between the NHL now. You're you're developing and growing. It's because of the salary cap system and, and, you know, the the value of these entry-level deals and and how you fit them in. And so you've got to be really careful uh, giving them too much too soon. And, you know, a a small stretch of five or seven games is not a big enough sample size to go, yeah, you're ready and you've arrived. It's, you know, we got to help them through this. And there's, there's going to be more downs and ups mostly. And they've never been through that. They, these guys were the best in, in college. They were the best in junior. They're scoring, you know, point and a half a game and had success their whole life. So the first time they're going to hear no. The first time they're going to hear, yeah, you're playing less. And it's like harder to play less. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to play less. But that's where you're at. And, and you know, these guys have earned it. And they're playing better than you. So, and that's, that's where I always want to be transparent. If these guys are deserving to play. They're going to play. There's been many guys on our roster this year that played more minutes than they should have because they earned it. That's it. Yeah, the um, I don't know. I mean, you didn't you didn't say anything. You're gonna have to wait till camp and see what goes on. I know you had a, a chance to see Kent a little bit there at the end of the season um, where he came up. Um, 
but then there's that individuality, right? That I know that you're going to be managing just by, you know, by how eloquent you are about it, because I mean, he's fifth overall Cole was whatever he was overall 15th and the way his head probably, where you have to know what makes him tick and what he thinks maybe he's entitled to or not. And that's definitely the wrong word. Cause I know nobody's entitled to anything, but, um, you know, you, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, you know, he, he's going to see himself in this picture and, 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 yeah, maybe he maybe he makes a team and he's a massive asset to you guys but there's going to be there's the human element again that comes into play right there, there's definitely things that that you need to manage and uh and it's a good problem to have though as a coach I mean obviously you have these these great young players that are coming in and hopefully they all they all fit the bill and and, and ro- ro- go up to their potential I'll I, I gotta ask you two more questions before we sign off um one is Patrick Line uh I can't believe I haven't talked about him till that. I know you've mentioned him a few times, and he's one of those kind of one, two percenters. I mean, 36 goals as a rookie at 18, right? 44 goals at 19. Yeah. Uh, I looked I looked at him just a little bit there before we got on, and like, he's 24 years old. Like, he's young. I mean, he's, he's not old. I mean, he's just, but he's been around for so long. And he had like, he had this 44 goal season. What is that? Five years ago now, which seems like a lifetime ago in the sport, you know, for as far as NHL is concerned. So, I know him and Torts. I mean, there was stuff in the media about that. Now you've been, now you taken on obviously that that role. Um, it seemed like there was growth in Patrick's game. Now I don't watch him on a day to day basis like you like you do, um, but he seemed a little bit enig- enigmatic. You know, like from the well, how he's presented in the media, how he presents himself as a person, and and I would think the individual inside Patrick Line would be really good to understand in order to help him get the best out of himself. Has that been one of the th- focus areas for you this year yeah there's no question with Patrick is is understanding him better and he's a very driven player um he has his uh is his toughest critic is himself he is and, and it may not come across that way and he has body language issues on the ice and different things and and but when you get to understand who Patty is and and he puts a lot of pressure on himself to 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 drive the offensive engine and and be that guy, the go-to guy. So, man, this this is a there's a lot of layers to Patrick. He's he's obviously his shots. It's it's elite. It's like in a in another level. It's a one percenter for sure. Um, Patty Patty loves hockey. He eats, breathes. He watches games. He, he he's always uh, trying to get better. He watch all every playoff game, all this stuff. He, if you ask Patty, what'd you do? I watch. Well, I was watching the first period of this game and two periods of that game and it's crazy to me but you know like most goal scorers it comes down to confidence right and 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 when you you know he went on a stretch where he scored 19 goals in 22 games for us this year and so he came in he had an incredible camp he was in great shape I challenged him I I told right when I got the job I called him he's one of my first calls and saying look like camp is going to be hard you better be ready and 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 he was. He came in. He came in great shape, great camp. Got rolling. Then he got hurt. So he missed his two months, okay, uh, with an injury. And within that two months, he lost his dad. Right, his dad passed away. So it's hard enough to miss two months and and not play, you know. And he skated, I think, five times in that two months. And then add the fact that the human element, he lost his father, a guy that he talked to pretty much every day, watched every one of his games, and. So, so he didn't get off, you know, his first, his start was good. He didn't score. I think he had two or three overtime goals, in, but he wasn't, he, but his, if you looked at the analytics side of it, I mean, he was dangerous. He was, he was not scoring, but he should have scored more. Um, then he comes back and he starts okay. And, and I, I noticed some things that he was 
doing from the last year's body language. Um, and, and we talked about for the year, if I see it, we're going to talk about it right away. And so we did. We had a great, honest conversation about it, what it's going to look like. But I said, I'm going to help you and we're going to work through this. We're not we're not going down that path last year because I, it doesn't work. You said it and I said it. So so here's now this is where the rubber meets the road. Right. So you're either going to go left or right here. Um, but I'm going to help you through it. And so we we did. We worked through some things. I won't get into all the details of it, but we worked through some things. And 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 to every sense of the word, we worked through it. And, you know, because I know when we put the work in and his details get there and his practice habits get cranked up and his gym habits, the skill is going to take over. He's just too good a player. And so he, he, he turned that corner and then he got the confidence and then you just let him go. Because then when, once you got a confident guy like that, when it's on his stick, he feels like he can score every shot. Uh, you see in practice, you see it. But but the thing was, don't let the habit slip, right? Like So he went on a stretch, 19 for 22. Like that that's a stretch I haven't seen on a lot of players at all. And I played with some really good ones. Like that's that's pretty much a goal of the game for a quarter of the season. That's nuts. Um, and but he 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 relied on the foundation and and it was work based. And so that's what got the ball rolling for him. And he was tracking pucks and he's being more physical and he's putting effort in the gym. And and so he's uh he was becoming a better teammate too. Like he's, he's integrating with teammates more. So that's kind of the, the Coles notes version of the inside on, on Patrick. And he is, a, and, and I keep telling this to people, he's young. Like the, one of the worst things that can happen for some guys is success too early. And you got to remember in Winnipeg, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the guy. You, you had Wheeler and Shifley and these guys that he could kind of not hide behind, but you, you could protect him. You know, and so you get a 38 and a 44 goal season and um, but you don't have to take the hard matchups or as much. Right. Because, you know, now you're playing against second pairing demon instead of first pairing demon. And yes, you're on the first unit power play, but you can protect him a little bit of, of, of on your matchups as a head coach. When he comes to us, there's no protecting. It's it's like you're the guy you know, you're playing and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So that's an adjustment for him. You want that responsibility. But until you handle it and go through it, you don't know what that looks like or feels like. You think you can do it, but you have to go through it. And and so for us and our staff is trying to navigate and help them through that and what that's going to look like and what that feels like and what that responsibility is going to be um, and the work required to do that. Right. So he did it. I mean, credit to Patty. He, he put the work in. He's he's a driven player. Um, you know, he 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 gets a bad rap. People call him lazy. He's not lazy. He's not lazy at all. When you watch how he, he tracks bucks and skates and um, when he's not on his game, he's just his own worst enemy. That's what it is. It's not It's not a lack of effort. Body language makes it look like it's lack of effort. And But that's him being hard on himself. And that's me understanding him where he's at. And I can see it uh, when the games are going and, and, and we got to try and reel up. And it's not easy. It's not like you have two senses that can fix that. But we try to identify it here earlier now. Um, and say, look, like this isn't working. Like you gotta, you know, this is where we gotta get to. This is what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? So. One more break here in this hour and 40 minute interview with Brad Larson, just to say that I do appreciate all of the feedback. 
whether it be good and 99% of it is good um, and, and, the, and the ways to improve. I love constructive criticism too. If you feel uh, either I should branch out with my guests or if you want to see a guest on here, if you'd like a different line of questioning or like some different topics covered, by all means, please let me know. I'm always trying to improve. And, um, and I also want to say I appreciate the support on the, or on the channel that you listen to. If you can promote the podcast, if you can promote Up My Hockey or if you can review the podcast, uh, that's always super helpful. I know that I haven't been as, uh, as consistent with releasing the podcast as I've been tied up in the business aspect about my hockey and serving my clients. So it hasn't been a weekly podcast, but I do appreciate all of you who do when I do download a podca- podcaster right there uh, to get it, to listen, and to, uh, and to share it with others. So thanks so much for, for being loyal to the show. Um, please, please do share, whether it be on YouTube, tell a friend, or whether it be on uh on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen, by all means, please do share it. The, the more eyes on it, the more we can help uh, and the more we can get the word out about, uh, about the intangibles of hockey that really can make a difference for, for, your, for your player or for yourself going forward. So thanks again for listening. Let's get back to the podcast with Brad Larson. But I'll go back to, you know, when we started at this, uh, beginning of this talk about building trust, right? Like he, I think we've built a pretty good relationship on, um, you know, I, I, I care about him. I do. I care about him and I love the kid. I do. I think he's, he's been through some heartbreaking things. And so, um, and I want to build trust with him the right way. I want to, I want to push him because I think there's a level that he can get to that's, that's scary. And so, when we go through these things together and, and as a staff and as a team and his teammates are involved in this too, I think there's an opportunity to grow together. And and so he's, I think he's enjoying the game. I think he's, he's willing to push himself outside his limits a little bit. Um, I think there's, there's still so many more levels that he can get to. I think that's the, that's the scary thing. Um, you know, in a, in a, if he played all 82 games this year. I think he was on a 38, 40 goal pace. So he was right there uh, where he needs to be as far as production wise. Mm-hmm. But he grew his game this year. That's what I liked is that there was growth in his overall game. And um, it's great if you can score, but there's there's guys in the league, you know, that can score that I wouldn't want on my team. I can tell you right now uh, where Pat is is trending to is a guy that can score but add more elements to his game. That's going to be really important for that playoff run that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but he's going to have to grow into that, too. You know, we had a conversation, I can tell you recently, and, and just texting him going, watch how hard the stars are getting played. Watch how hard it is to fight for yours. Watch how hard they said, because we're going to be in that position one day and you're going to be the guy. So you can't get frustrated. You're not allowed to get frustrated. You can't show frustration to the other team. So just trying to plant those seeds now before we get there, not when we get there before. Let's watch it closely. Watch what Stamkos is doing. Watch what the Kucherovs are doing. They, you know, the, these are the guys that have done it a couple of times. And how are they handling it? When they're getting cross-checked and yes you got to be competitive but there's that line you can't let them show or you can't show them you're frustrated you know so so just little things like that and, and trying to coach them now for when we get there that we're ready and prepared for it that's awesome uh one of the one of the great 
quotes I thought all year was from one of his interviews. And I think it was when he was rolling and he was hot. Cause I mean, that, that was when kind of the, the spotlight of the league started to go on Columbus a little bit, right? Because they, the, the league loves watching what, what Patrick's doing. And yeah. um, he got an assist on a, on a shot that, uh, you know, that went off the goalie's pad and, and somebody scored and, and the, the reporter asked him, I'm sure you're familiar with it. He said, I never shoot for rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You shoot for rebounds. I never shoot for rebounds. And that's perfect answer because I told him when you shoot, you shoot to score. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, one thing I'll ask, and this is just for me watching as a, as a fan, um, I've always, I mean, you mentioned his shot already, and I think it's probably impossible not to notice his shot um, and, and, and is one of the top probably five in the league, maybe even top three in the league. I, I would probably put him in there. But is he, does he need a guy to distribute the puck for him, or is that part of his evolution? Like, can he be a puck distributor himself and kind of like be the engine on a line, or does he need to find his space, get open and have somebody that's going to find him? Like, can he become more dimensional or am I, or am I kind of putting him in a hole already by saying that he's just a shooter? I, I think he's a, a, an extremely underrated passer. I think he's, he's an incredible passer, but the problem is, is I don't want him passing. Like he, sometimes he's forcing passes that he can make, but I don't want him to because his shot's too deadly. That that's the tricky thing with him is that, um, there's some guys that are just pure shooters that that are, are not distributors. And and the thing with him is he can do both. Um, so to your to the original part of that question, I'd say, yeah, he needs a guy to get him the puck. I I, I think all scores need that. I think they because what the, the goal scorers have a knack to find the spot and you get him in the spot. It's over. It, it's it's that Stamkos thing. you get it in his wheelhouse. It's in the net and, or it's a great a every time. And, and so there's certain guys in the league that are just lethal and he does it differently than say an Austin Matthews does it or, or some of these great goal scorers for sure or stammer, but you know, he's, he's a tricky one because he's got, he is, he can do both. He really can. And um, you know, it's, it's trying to find that combination. Like, like Jake played a lot with him for Cause he's, you know, he's a, he's a pure passer. He, you know, he'd rather pass nine out of 10 times every time. And uh, so, but the thing about, having with Jake is Jake's always looking for him always. And, and I think that's, it's a great combination now, but Jake's a winger, you know, and, and Boone, Boone's not really a, a driver of the puck. He's more of a, I'm going to get to the blue. I'm going to, I'm going to get it out of the corners and I'm going to the net. Right. So, um, so he brings an element, which is good because it opens up ice for those guys and he gets all the stuff around the net and or brings chaos to the net for those shooters. So with, with Patty, it's uh yeah, I, I think, I'm always coaching him to shoot it because, you know, on two and one, I hate it when he passes the puck because I think every time he doesn't shoot, you know, we let the goalie off the hook. But I also know he can make those plays and he wants to make those plays. So that's going to be part of his growth and and maturation too is just the timing of it. I think, you know, like any goal scorer, when you're struggling to score, now you pass too much. You don't shoot enough where that's when you'd be shooting just volume. You know what I mean? Because the odds are in your favor. They're going to start going in. So um yeah there, there's still a lot of growth there and, and you know i'm really excited to see where it gets to with him yeah that's fantastic and we'll 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 sign off maybe with uh with boone you've talked about him a lot you talked about you know having to make the decision uh as a as a head coach and many guys don't right that you now have to assign a captain like you 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 need to do that um 
I know, I mean, even from your history, right? You, you were a captain in a lot of places. The leadership has always been something that, uh, that has been around your name, uh, which is obviously wouldn't have been a small, a small task for you, right? Who is going to be the leader of this team? And what is that going to look like? Because I do think that that brand, you know, says something about the coach behind the bench too. So like what, what was there in Boone uh, that, that you saw and, and, what, and what for you makes, makes a great leader? Well, on the surface, like, he was an easy decision in a lot of ways because he's, he's max effort. He's an uh, incredible teammate, um, incredibly coachable. He's a guy that truly blooms where he's planted, whether he's in the third line, fourth line, first line, uh, never complains, always working hard in the gym, um, does everything right uh, as far as that way. Um, an incredible human being, first and foremost, uh, when you when you get to know Boone and to the heart of it, it it's, it's very selfless. It's always about the team. Um, so, but there, there was more into it than just that. Um, you know, you know, and I, I probably won't get too much deeper into that uh, just because it was, it was very personal between me and him and, and some very deep discussions about it. But as uh, from the outside, it's a very easy decision. Um, but there's, there's, there's more layers to it. But at the end of the day, when, when, uh, you know, when I got input, I have to make the final decision, but I also was listening to my coaches and I listened to Yarmo and, and we talked a lot about it and he was the obvious choice. I, I he's so well respected in our room. Um, he's a, he's a blue jacket through and through like that's, it's where he wants to be. So, uh, naming him captain, uh, it, it was the right choice. Let's put it that way. Cause I debated not having a captain at all. And, you know, cause I don't think you force that if it's not there. Um, but you know, when I went through the checklist of things and, and, you know, a, a captain truly has to be selfless. He has to, he wears a lot of hats. It, it's, especially at the NHL level, it's a, it's a tremendous honor. You know, one of the discussions we had was, you know, don't try and do too much now. I, I think you're a captain because of all the things you brought and who you are. And so don't change. I don't need you to do more and just be you, who you are. Uh, there's no more added pressure. I think, you know, I think you, he had all the respect of his teammates. They, they were thrilled for him. You could tell when we named him and you, you, you watch. And I watched that closely when, when you look around the room, when we named him, Guys were thrilled about it, right? So you know you made the right choice. Um, but he leads it the right way. He, everything he does, he leads every drill in practice. He's he's competitive in practice. He doesn't know how to not work. It, it just does. It's not in his DNA. Everything's work based. So he uh, and he had one of his best years. You know, he scored twenty three goals, I believe, and he got hurt at the end. And that was a uh, you know he he played through a, a back injury for probably three or four weeks. Nobody knew about it. Never complained, didn't say a word about it. Finally, I think we, I think it was Boston. We won at home or whatever it was. And he came to me and he was in tears. He's like, coach, I can't go anymore. I can't do it. Like he just, he's like, I, I'm in so much pain. And I'm, you know, he's like, but because that's how much he cares. It's, it's not, he wants to be there. He wants to play. He wants, and he went right to the bitter end. Like he got to the point where he's basically immobile. He couldn't move anymore, you know? So, um, it was, it was the right choice. There's no question. And, uh, He's a, he's a special individual as far as what he brings to his team, his teammates, his, the respect that he brings and how hard he approaches the game. And um, he can wear a lot of hats for our group, you know, and he can do it in a lot of different roles, which is pretty special. Sounds like he'd uh, check the box of being somebody that'll be there standing at the end of 28 games, uh, as, you, as you talked about earlier. Yeah, no doubt. He would. Um, he's going to leave it out there. That's awesome. Uh, last one. I mean, you, you said – 
been around the game, but I think you said 27 years. You mean in the coaching side of it for 12. Um, there had to have been some surprise. You mean, uh, you mean it's your first time behind the bench. What was, what was the biggest either personal growth for you as an individual, as a coach? I know you're always looking for ways to get better. Or, or, or what, was there something that was different about being the head guy that you didn't necessarily see coming? You're not the first to ask me. I, I've had several people, you know, what was the biggest surprise? And I, and I say this with, a, with a, the deepest humility and not out of arrogance is that there really wasn't any surprises. There wasn't. I was, it's been 25 years, not 27 yet. I haven't got to that landmark yet. But, um, <laughs> it was, uh, here's, here's where I benefited a lot. It, yeah, I've been around player and, and coach now for a long time, but um, being with Torts really helped me because he prepared me very well for this, this opportunity um, with, with sharing a lot of, uh, of the meetings and, 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 you know, decisions that go into things and, and bringing me in on a lot of decisions and um, conversations, maybe management had and getting my thoughts and perspective. And, you know, two years in a row, I did camp myself, you know, it was like, he's like, I want you to plan camp. Um, you do it, organize it. You know, that's the trust that we built. It didn't happen. It happened organically. He didn't know me when he got the job. I didn't know him other than who he was as, as a coach. So, but we built trust over time. And so, Every year he, you know, I coached the D, I ran power play, penalty kill. I coached uh, with the forwards. I ran a lot of practices. Um, you know, he'd come in, say, I want this, 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 give me 40 minutes, make sure this is in and he'd be gone. Um, so, so he grew me and, and mentored me a lot. So I, I can't, I'm trying to think if there was any uh, major surprises. I, I wouldn't, the only surprise for me was our start 12 and six. It was that was not expected. I'm going to tell you right now, like I, I was thrilled, but um, that was a big surprise. And then, you know, then the coaching started. How are we going to work through this is when it really started to because, you know, there's some there's some tough moments in there. I mean, yeah. we got thumped in Florida, nine nothing and, and could have been 12. Um, we got thumped at home. Um, Calgary beat a six nothing. It should have been 12. And Elvis was outstanding and they had six shots on net. And you're going, oh my! And we got the Rangers the next night, uh, who are arrested and waiting for us in our building. And I'm like, oh my lord! Like you know, and so me and the coaches were at the rink till 1 a.m. Just you know, because we have to, we have to help them. We can't. Yeah, I can yell at them, but it doesn't. It only goes so far. So how are we going to help them to play a team? And, and you know, we the next night we play an outstanding game. We gather ourselves after going through this whole process in the morning and. And we went five three at home against the Rangers, and and like those are the moments you live for as coaches. They're not fun to go through. They're not. They they actually they're they're. But I've I've learned to find joy, and there's peace in those moments, because that's when the growth will will happen. Yeah. It, the winning is easy. The winning, and I say that in, in tongue in cheek. It's not easy to win. I'm saying the winning is easy as far as everybody's happy, everybody's having fun, and the growth starts when it gets hard, and and. And how you work through that together, you know, that's when character is revealed. That's when you start seeing the warts in some of these guys. And um, not that they're bad people. They're human. Just like me as a coach. I make mistakes. I Many times I walk in that room and say, guys, I messed that up. My bad. You know what I mean? And that's what accountability is. It's it's accepting responsibility for your actions. So, so th those growth moments and going through that, and, and, and there was many, um, it's, it's, 
that's the joy of the coaching. It is. And it's, uh, you know, you, you hope to get to the point where you're winning a whole lot more than you're losing. But uh, even in those winning teams, uh, it, it's a struggle too. It's hard. And uh, there's always Todd McClellan put it to me a long time ago. He said, there's going to be five guys that love you, five guys that hate you and everybody in between. You know, it, it's just, that's reality. You can't make everybody, there's only 18 and two every night. If there's 23 skaters, that means there's some guys that aren't happy, right? So um, there's a lot of, a lot of balls to juggle. And, um, you know, one of your, one of your biggest responsibilities as a head coach is, is, is managing people. It's, it's not the X's and O's. We deal with that all the time. Everybody's got the information. It's, it's, yeah. it's really managing people and doing that. And um, yeah, it's, is that a surprise? It's not really a surprise. I, I expected that going in. Yeah. Well, love, care, trust, like you said, to use your words, right? I mean, that's what gets you through all that stuff. And yeah. and when your foundation, if that's part of your, your your presentation at the start of the year, I mean, that really changes your whole outlook on the season because that's where those moments, like that's what builds those moments. You know what I mean? Like love, care, trust. I mean, during the hard times is when is when you're building that. So, um, yeah, fantastic job. I'll, I'll get you off here with uh, with the prediction. I know. Well, maybe some people don't know. I mean, you have Jared Bednar and Nolan Pratt, two two coaches there, a head coach and assistant coach, uh, have a lineage to to you. Um, you. You guys were together, and and now they're in the final. I'm sure you're li- wishing nothing but the best for them, and maybe you're in contact with them, maybe you're not. But what uh, what do you? What's your prediction here for the final? Or do you have any words of uh, encouragement for your for your old for your old boys there? Well, I'm thrilled for them. You know what I mean? I, when I got the head job, I, I was on the search for another assistant. I, you know, I was part of the hiring process with Nolan the year before, and he was under part of our staff. And then when I got the head job, I ended up hiring Jared Bedner, uh, as he, he had just been let go from Peoria. So, uh, worked with them for a couple of years and tremendous coaches. Um, so good. And uh, we had a great time. We had a great staff, got along really well. So, you know, look, I, they don't need my advice. They're smart enough. They, they, look, they're in the Stanley Cup final for a reason, you know. And, and But I, I'm certainly encouraged. I'm, I'm excited for them. Um, you know, I'm rooting for them. I am. I, w- I won't hide that. I, I, I have a very good connection with both those guys, and, and they're good friends of mine. We keep in contact all the time. Um, so my prediction, uh, in the I, th- I think Colorado in seven, that's where I'm at. I think there's uh, – there's question marks. I mean, is Kadri going to make it back? Doesn't look like it. If Point comes back, does that tip it in the favor of Tampa? Obviously, goaltending is the one thing for Colorado. That that's the question mark, right? I don't know if it's going to be Kemper or Frank Cruz and um, 88. The one thing I'll say with Colorado, you can't get frustrated because 88 can frustrate a lot of teams. You know, they're he's that good. He he, he can change games and 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 he keeps his team in it all the time. So, you know, managing your frustration level, uh, sticking to the plan and, and don't overpass it. Keep shooting pucks. Um, those are the things that you you got to, you know, I think they're averaging four plus goals a game right now in playoffs. I, I don't see that happening against Tampa. Uh, you know, there might be a game they get five or six, but to average four through that. So they're going to have to be able to play in tighter games. I, I think they're going to have to win three, two, two, one. Um, does their goaltending hold up to that? I don't know. Can they defend hard enough? But I'll tell you what, I'm excited. If I could have handpicked two teams, these are the right. I'm telling you, because of the star power, just the storyline, you know, Colorado's been building. Um, you know, they got a lethal power play. I think they're 30-plus percent on their power play right now. Penalty kill is kind of struggling. And then, you know, Tampa's a, a really heavy defending team. But you got stars on both sides. It's, it's the skill level, um, the D that's going to be driving Colorado. 
it's going to be an awesome series. I hope it goes seven. I just really am hoping for that just as a fan, you know, and, and I'm watching this purely as a fan. I'm not watching it as a coach. I'm just going to watch it and, and uh, get a bowl of popcorn and enjoy it. Cause I think it's going to be, there's going to be some, some unbelievable games. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, and no disrespect to Dallas Stars and no disrespect to the Montreal Canadiens, but, you know, the last couple of years kind of haven't really been, you know, the the finals. And, like, this is the finals. Like, these are arguably the two best teams. I mean, got yeah, to the end, think, you know. You, if you said going into the season, who are the two teams at the end, they would have said. Now, going through the season, you might have said, well, no, Florida might be Tampa. They might take that step. You know, there are some pretty good teams on, on the on the west side also. I think the east was much deeper. That's just my personal opinion. I think there was more juggernauts in the east this year. And, um, you know, that swings from season to season. But it was it was lethal in the east this year. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from the west. There were some really good teams. I just think it was deeper this year. And so I think – Colorado went through a lot this year. That's what people don't understand. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of stuff going on that people don't talk about. It wasn't like smooth sailing and and they just rolled through the year. Like they, I this is where I think Jared Bednar and 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 their staff did an incredible job um, of the standard, and they they've done a good job with their foundation because they continued to win when they had a lot out of their lineup, and it was a lot. It wasn't like one or two guys. It was a lot of key guys. Um, I read an article the other day, and I'm going to say this on the air, and, you know, I know this isn't like national anything, but they're talking about like, who's the next, uh, you know, John Cooper. I'm like, the next John Cooper has been in Colorado for the last few years. I think, I think he's done an incredible job and with, you know, managing the talent he has, the expectations and, and every year they're just getting better and better and better. And, and now they're, they're in the finals, you know, if, can they get it done? We're going to see, but it's a, uh, they, they they went through a lot this year, way more than people even talk about. And I, I don't think they get enough credit for that, that they were second in overall in the league and, and record-wise. And you look at the man games lost and not just that, but the, the guys that they lost yeah. for extended periods of time. That's that's the thing, you know. So I think they're 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 prepared for this. I do. I think they're there's you know, there's gonna be some tense moments because pressure does funny things to, to players and teams. Um, and they're gonna make some mistakes. They will. And they're going to need some saves, and and uh, but Tampa's—they're not perfect either. You know what I mean? So uh, Tampa hasn't faced a team like Colorado, and and I think uh, I think it's going to be real intriguing. I, I I just hope it goes seven. I just—that's what my biggest hope. I just want yeah, to see game seven. I love it. I got uh yeah. I mean, just because my affiliation and and you know relationship with Jared and Nolan as well, like I'm rooting for them. And you I mean people sometimes forget that you know in Jared's first year there was like the worst year in the franchise, right? Like they were like last year. So like he's been the worst part of ever since they. I think it was it was the worst record in the NHL ever since they. Uh, since I think the shootout um, was implemented, right? By a landslide. So I think they had like 52 points, and I'm yeah. like, Lord, this poor guy. But then he, the next year, he's up for coach of the year. Right. That's what people forget. And yeah. you got to remember, he got the job three weeks before the season started. And there was a lot going on. And, like, people don't talk about that, right? They just think, well, you know, they forget. So yeah. he jumped into a real tough situation. No time to prepare. Build your staff. You got three weeks to move your family, get there, get prepared, know your team. Um, it's yeah. a lot. It's a yeah. lot. And then this year, too, like, to your point, like, I didn't hear his name in many – in many discussions around that award, I mean, it's just the award coach of the year, but it's fun to debate and talk about. Right. And it's like, I think people just dismiss, well, you have, okay, well, he has the star power. That's, you can't just throw 
good players on the ice and have it work out. Like you talk to your part, like the human element of like managing those egos and managing the distribution and the ice time and having them believe in a foundation that's going to, you know, be successful in the long run, like all that um, with his man games lost. I thought that, you know, I thought that they did a fantastic job there again. I mean, I thought that he should have been up for that award. I thought uh, for sure he kind of, I don't know if he's, if he, he is, I mean, obviously you're speaking very respectfully of him and nobody doesn't speak, speaks disrespectfully, but I think the mainstream media doesn't give him the credit that he deserves for the job he's doing there. Yeah, I think they just assume they have players and, and they're supposed to be good. But, you know, like you win a Stanley Cup, all of a sudden you put yourself in a, in a very um, a very uh, elite status and to get your name on the cup as a head coach. So, uh, you know, we'll see if he gets it done. I think they, they got the team that can do it. If they can stay yeah. healthy and they get the goaltending, I think they got a shot at it. Yeah, I agree. I think it uh, – yeah, the goaltending is going to be the big one, I think, for me, is, is can they can they stand up? He, I think everyone knows what you're going to get, like you said, with 88 there. He's done it, and he's, he's so crazy good. Um, so, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a great playoffs, and I, uh, I love seeing the physicality ramp up. I know we've talked about that before. Like, this is the best time of year. Like, this is hockey to me. Like, yeah. the new age hockey in the regular season, I'm kind of – I still have a hard time watching some of it sometimes. But, like, this playoffs is, like, legit. You know, it's, it's fast and skilled and physical, and you have to fight for space and, like, all those things you said earlier. And as a fan – um, I love watching it now. So anyways, Lars, you've been an amazing guest, uh, as usual, really thanks for being so transparent and honest and open. And, um, I think that's obviously, uh, the transparency here is obviously the transparency your guys are getting. And I, and I think the authenticity just completely shines through and, and I'm sure you're going to do great things there in the, in the coming years. So thanks for sharing your time today. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. Um, that was quite the conversation to to have somebody like Brad, you I mean, who's obviously a, a peer of mine and somebody that I've known from when we were kids, I could say. Um, it's not lost to me that he is the head coach of an NHL team. There's 32 of them in the world. <laughs> 32 head coaches that have taken hockey as the, the route they want to go in life, that that uh, that have risen to the to the top of the totem pole and to have somebody like that, to have their ear, to have them share as transparently and as eloquently as Brad did for an hour and 40 or an hour and 50 minutes. Uh, super grateful and super humbled that we were able to have his time. So I hope that you appreciate his time as much as I do. Um, any type of insight, like, and I mean this honestly, like these are high performers, like the people that you are getting access to here are doing things that a lot of people want to do but are unable to do. So now why is that? Why are they able to do it? Like anytime you get an insight into that, anytime you can listen or read about somebody, uh, for me, I'm able to ask the questions. Like I just, th there's so much knowledge out there. There's, there. there's so many different perspectives and opinions and not everything is going to land on you like it does on me. Uh, even as Brad said, as much as he uh, respected Tortorella, who's won Stanley Cups and is respected in the industry, he's not John Tortorella. So he can't try to be John Tortorella. He has to be you. Just like you, listener, has to be you and I have to be me. But there is pieces that are going to resonate with you from what Brad was saying that you, that you might be able to add to your repertoire as a parent or as a coach or as a player uh, that will enhance you and enhance your offering, enhance what you provide, whether it be in your workforce or at school or on your hockey team. So always be looking for ways 
to get better. And when you can have the ear of somebody like Brad in the one out of 32 category in the world, I think that would be an awesome time to just sit down and listen and soak it up and hear what he has to say with really curious ears, right? Really curious ears, because there's going to be something there that is going to be beneficial for you and for your game and for your life. So Brad, thanks. Thanks again for, for hanging in there. Everyone, thanks for listening to the end, who's still listening now. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate uh, your viewership. And uh, on whatever platform you're listening to this, play hard and keep your head up. Till next time, I'm Jason Padolan. Just watch-